This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Misa. Hello, I'm Evan. Hi, I'm Will. Hi, I'm Trent. And we're going to talk about The Busy Body by Donald E. Westlake. This is first published in 1966. Was it a paperback or a hardcover? Trent? <laughs> I, believe, uh, I believe this was a paperback. Good. It's better if it's a paperback. It feels like a paperback. Um, I thought it was really familiar, even though I'd never read it. I, I guess I read about it, and it's very Westlake, but... Um, I'm wondering if Misa can remember a show we did uh, that was kind of similar, because she and I did a show on another book, not by Westlake, that has kind of a similar thing going on. Remind me, Jesse. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> then the answer is no. I don't remember. All right. Um, it was Burglars Can't Be Choosers by Lawrence Block. Do you remember how that the plot of that one worked? Um, if I say, remind me, will you say yes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Remind me. Okay. So there's this burglar and he burgles a place. Um, and while he's burgling the place, the cops show up, um, and he goes on the run. He finds there's a dead body and he gets blamed for it. And he, there's a girl, he spends time in her apartment. And at the end of the book, you know, on page, you know, five pages before the end, you find out, uh, what what the mystery was and how all the things came to be. Does that sound familiar? It sounds familiar. Yeah. So um, this is kind of a little subgenre between Westlake and Block, as far as I can tell. Trent, uh, have you read Burglars Can't Be Choosers? That's the first I of had, the series. No, no, I've not read that one. It's a good book. In fact, I found out about uh, Westlake through Block and Burglars Can't Be Choosers. Um, I was reading a, I don't know, book three or something in the series. And, uh, one of the characters was reading a book that sounded terrific, <laughs> like little expert excerpts. And I'm like, wow, this book sounds great. And I'm like, I wonder if that's a real book. And that uh, turned out to be. So I can thank Block for introducing me to Westlake. And, uh, that's, that's, that, those are my initial thoughts for this book. Who, who, wow, uh, and from reading a series, Jesse. I know. Uh, this is, uh, I should be whipping myself right now. But, no uh, self-flagellation. <laughs> well, uh, everybody else, uh, except for Trent, I assume hasn't read this before. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Is this your second time, Trent? Uh, this is actually my first. And oh, I'd like really? To, uh, Yes, and I'd like to make a correction here. The Busybody was published in hardcover. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it did get, it, I mean, it got a movie the very next year. Um, and that was the face, first paperback edition was the uh, movie tie-in. Ah. Well, huh. That's too bad because it it has a Frazetta cover, but it's, it's not a, uh, Frank Frazetta did the poster, but it's a pretty bad movie. You all watch it. I couldn't yes. get through it. I watched, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. It reminded yeah. me of an episode of The Monkeys. Very yeah, much that like, style, yeah. I did yeah. not like the, the movie at all. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um, I, I forgot about the movie, so um, I, I feel vindicated. 
Uh, I always like to look at the adaptations because it sets in relief things, the author choices um, when the movie directors change things. So one of the ones I think that's very interesting is um, the the jacket that goes missing, the body uh, wearing the blue jacket that goes missing is not carrying heroin or I guess cocaine. It's not exactly clear. I think it's I think I thought it was heroin. heroin. I thought it was heroin. heroin. It was heroin. Uh, Yeah, but somebody else called it powders. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. It doesn't matter. The important part is in the movie is literal cash. Um, And why do they make that decision? Um, It's not because cash will fit in a jacket. And they also upped the money. They upped it to a million dollars as opposed to a quarter of a million, which is a typical Hollywood move. Like if you've seen. uh, uh, I think it is it the second Lethal Weapon movie. <laughs> they have like a literal cargo ship filled with cash. <laughs> the entire ship is filled with cash. I'm like, yeah, I don't believe it. Uh, a South African um, a bullion plot or something. It's like massive, inf- massive stakes inflation. Um, so there's that. But uh, our our hero in this book is a murderer. It, wow. it doesn't feel like a murder, but he, he murdered a guy to get his job, and then his bosses asked him to do a murder. I mean, grave digging was one thing, but just do this murder for me, too, please. And he's like, okay, don't want to do it, but I guess I will. Well, it, he's just uh, sort of a functionary of the, it, of the institution. He's an apparatchik, apparatchik of the organization, yeah. But until the end. Until the end. Yeah, it has a happy ending because he's redeemed or whatever. <laughs> I don't know if he's redeemed. He just gets out of the of 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 of, of the mat, out of the organization. He goes to he goes to California. It's like it's like he also I mean, I mean off his mom. He abandons his mom, yeah. A ban- yeah. no I mean having had a strong mother figure in my life and I did leave New York for California. I kind of <laughs> the rest of the end of this book, you know? <laughs> Tell us more about your mafia connections, Paul. <laughs> um, I'm only two degrees away from any mob, any mobsters. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> in, in his uh, quote-unquote defense, Westlake makes it clear that mer- the, any killings he was involved with were uh, heat of the moment uh, self-defense or there was a gunfight or somebody was attacking them a deliberate planned murder is something he's never done he's graduating <laughs> well yeah. i mean <laughs> yeah it was the first, very very reluctant when we, when we find out about his job you know he informs on on uh the guys trying to take over gravito or whatever um and then gravito takes you know has him shoot him and then he keeps the gun of course as insurance that's all all fun mafia stuff but ultimately even though he's a charming man and he solves the mystery and we're over his shoulder basically for the entire book uh they can't do that in the movie right because it's a comedy and uh and yet if you read this book it's not really a comedy right it it's comedic but it's not it's kind of an interesting uh maybe tightrope walk is what people would want to say. I just think it's sort of more Westlakian attitude. Like, you're, you're spending time with basically a murderer and you're like trying to see where, how he can get himself out of this uh, lifestyle that he's in. 
It's just that Westlake's view of the world is very funny. Like he yes. sees what's absurd and he shares it with you through the lens of all these different characters that you come across and just the way they act is all yeah. like, yeah, you get human absurdity. So, you know, but it's, it's not a comedy. <laughs> it's a, well, it's a caper. A caper, um, yeah. With, with that whole big send off at the top kind of sets mm. the whole thing up, you know, like it's this big grand thing. Um, and it's the mob, you know, like with, with everybody in attendance. Like it's, it's, I don't know, it's really fun. It's definitely fun. But, you know, as a, as a person living in the world, you have to somehow reconcile, I think, um, <laughs> the guy you're rooting for in a certain sense is goddamn murder. I mean, he lies and digs up uh, boxes illegally and stuff. I, 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 I can get away with it, but, um, he, I, I guess it's, it's, it's really interesting because he deals with this a lot. Like, uh, I didn't realize this is your first read. I, I thought I'd read a review of yours, Trent. But um, the uh, there was there's a lot of books like this. Like he deals with uh, most of the Stark books are are you know Cosa Nostra style. Even if they're you know they're not Italian gangsters, they're they're in the syndicate or whatever. And so there's a lot of uh, not. Uh, dealing with the cops. I mean, I guess basically almost everything Westlake wrote is like that. And uh, and somehow uh, we don't end up thinking, uh, this guy's a monster. I hate this guy. Even though he literally is a murderer. I felt bad for him because, you know, he's, 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 got, a, he's got a mom that's riding him. He's in a job that yeah. He kind of fell into because I mean it's made clear earlier that he's a he was kind of a lackabout that kind of wound up as the right hand man of this guy almost by accident. Yeah, they play and, that up and, in the and, movie. And 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 he gets fra- and he gets and he gets framed for for something he didn't do, and then gets double framed by the organization to make sure he goes under. So I kind of felt bad for him. He's, he's like, no wonder he goes to California. They're like, yeah, you go, dude. Go, 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 go get the girl. Get away from New York and the organization and your mom. Have fun. <laughs> See, I didn't have as much trouble, like, sympathizing with the character. No, I didn't have any trouble at all. I'm just I mean, saying we should have a trouble. <laughs> 20 years after The Sopranos, right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It is it is pioneering in a certain sense. Like, um, Sopranos is the is the one where most people recognize it. But this is from 1966. This is a very old book. There was some really dark stuff in there when they were talking about the kit. He, the guy, was like, I'm, "I I I couldn't remember about the jacket because the school zones got rezoned. Like, who the fuck is selling my stuff? And kids have turned to glue. Like, how am I supposed yeah, to? Yeah, there's this new like, horse glue or something. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, they they have a division where they're. It, I mean, there's what uh, white slavery or whatever. It's basically prostitution, right? Running girls. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. there is the, there, there's the heroin shoot up, uh, place he goes to visit. Uh, it subverts the religion, right? Right. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the roads are yeah, bad. They, they, they give a, they, they give a Protestant guy Catholic funeral. That kind of rankled me. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, what Catholic. disturbs you is, is yeah, <laughs> like, he's getting buried in a Catholic, a Catholic grave, even though he's not even Catholic. Um. It, it, it's it's really funny how it, it doesn't seem to bother us, but if I think it was a less 
I don't know, naturally gifted writer, you would like notice these things a lot more, but it just goes down so, so smooth, right? If, I think if it was less absurd, it would be more disturbing. It's pretty absurd. <laughs> and it's, it's also heightened reality, right? The, mm-hmm. if kind of fake, uh, you know, like the laws of physics still work in this place, but uh, the, chasing, the cops chasing him around. Uh, He's breaking into the apartment and trying to get it through the window. It's like, yeah, it definitely goes, goes for the absurd. Mm-hmm. He, he rolls out of a moving car. I love that. <laughs> they they yeah. did not have that in the movie. Missed uh, uh, opportunity. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing is it's, it, it I don't think it, Westlake has been an adapted many, many, many times to film. And I don't think it usually works. Um, when he does the adaptation, it works better. Uh, I know Connor recently watched a movie called, uh, the stepfather, which I've seen, but I haven't seen for a long time. And I remember it being quite good, dark. Um, and of course, there's the Grifters, which was an adaptation of a Jim Thompson novel. Yeah, yeah, it, which yeah, which we're supposed to do sometime on the show. Yeah, I would like to. Um, so, I, I think it's because the novel medium, where we are so close to this narrator, and he's giving us the world essentially. Uh, there was only one one little sequence where I was like, wait, wait, is this still our guy? I thought suddenly it was a frame shift, you know? Um, and that's when he wakes up in the bed with uh, the widow. Um, he wakes up and he was, I think he was like in a dream where uh, he was in the coffin and he was seeing the sh- shovels of dirt hitting him, uh, hitting the lid and he blinked every time. That's the only yeah. only part where it was like, oh, this might be a frame shift out of it. And the only other time I felt that in the book was actually in the opening where he's kneeling. Uh, and I thought, oh, this guy's really old. <laughs> but he's not old, right? He's he's a young, vigorous guy, but he, he was complaining about his knees so much at the beginning. So And then they kind of dropped out a bit. It, well, I mean, it, it really got us into his head, right? And Nick Nick Gravito keeps giving him the fish eye, <laughs> 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 which I, I'm picturing. But um, he's so he's so talented for like uh, mice. You gotta love this uh, when they're whenever he's in his apartment. You know, he's looking in a mirror, and that was from the producer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like those details. Those are the things that mark out Westlake. Uh, so that, you know, you know, he wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, good book. Yeah. Great language. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, uh, when, when you talk at the beginning, uh, of the podcast about, yeah, this guy's a killer in Westlake's future comic novels. And I think this was an attempt at a comic novel. I mean, yeah, it it's, is. It's, it's, it's only mild, it's only mildly funny. It's not laugh out loud funny. No, it's not. But his characters are much more sympathetic. I mean, Dortmunder being the obvious one. Mm-hmm. He's Dortmunder just a thief. Not, yeah, and he, he's not usually robbing like a, an orphanage or anything. No. <laughs> that'd that'd be Parker. <laughs> Parker yeah, would you, rob the orphanage. And you wonder. If that wasn't a conscious move, it would not have taken much to to, to make this novel dead serious. No, um, 
there is a wildness to it, but I think it's caused by the desperate circumstances, um, but it's not played into. And the movie plays it the opposite way. It is more like Keystone Cops. Um, And the music, I I forgot, maybe I never knew that they did a really intrusive music in bad movies in the sixties. Really did. Oh my yeah. god! It's like the there's there's shows like on the CW now where you know you have two characters in the cafe talking, and they play like music, not like music from the cafe or whatever, but like they play music over the dialogue, uh, and it's just like a conversation, and it's like, what are you doing here? So it's like it was trying the music was trying to play up this is very Keystone Cops this is very cutesy and I I found it basically it just wrecked everything <laughs> it was ruinous whereas in the book obviously there's no music but there's a kind of um uh we're on the trail it's a detective story he's trying to work things out and yeah he has to stop and get coffee and he has to hide someplace um he has to deal with all of these these phone calls, all that stuff, but there's no um, playing towards the comedy. The comedy is inherent in in the absurdity of the situation. And the the thing is, is we we actually have this in real life sometimes, right? You you get into a phone uh, tag conversation with somebody, you're trying to call them, they're trying to call you, you get a busy signal. Um, you t- send them a text message. It goes to the wrong person. <laughs> you just—it's one of those days, right? Um, so we have this in in real life, but it's it's a uh, it's also a novel, and we we know it's a novel, and we're enjoying it. It's like candy, but um, I always I, I never noticed it when I started reading Westlake at first. But I I, I find his his thoughts on society are all over the page. Right, like near the end of the book, he talks about how a few years ago the city, <laughs> the city sent a bunch of people out to mark uh, with yellow lines all the potholes in the city, and then they didn't do anything about it after that. They're just still there. <laughs> I'm like, that sounds very New York City, though. It is. It is. He lived in New York City. He was a New Yorker. He he gets it. But um, when he's in a cab. Westlake's in a cab going from one place to another. Um, he is doing his job when he goes into a cafe and pays a nickel as a tip. Um, he is uh, doing his job. All of these things feed into his reflections on on the reality, but it doesn't come across like a, here's my sermon a life philosophy about how uh, city management should be done. It's more like... There or like in the last book we did that was Westlake, right? It was um, the corruption at the airport, right? Mm-hmm. The cor- the corruption is all over this book, and there's one guy who isn't, and that's the uh, police lieutenant or whatever who's got hash marks all up and down his uniform. Um, actually, just the last Westlake road. novel we did was Brother and Sister. Oh, Brother and Sister was the last one. Yeah, okay. But that Dude, had a bit of corruption. But you're talking about the one before Brother yeah, and Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adios. Sure. Aztecs. Oh, yeah, that's the one. That's Aztecs. Thank you. Yes. So I I, 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 sp- I spend a lot of time thinking about what, what it all means. I know that that's not probably what most people do, but I, I just I, I kept thinking about how well 
put together this book is and how easy it goes down. But like the title is kind of misleading. Uh, I figured it would be like Weekend at Bernie's. He <laughs> has to keep moving this dead body around. And, and then, you know, there was a Weekend at Bernie's too. <laughs> it's like the next weekend, I guess. <laughs> this dead, they're still carting this dead body around. And, you know, and, and that's actually how the movie plays it. It's really bad. They have like, they keep filling the the uh, grave. It, it, all the departures the movie makes from the book are just terrible. Every decision mm-hmm. is is bad. Um, whereas the book is very carefully constructed, it seems to me. Yeah. Wow, short show. They, they made they made the jacket brown in the book. If if that's any indication of the direction they were going. Uh, what do you mean in the movie? Uh, yeah, in the movie. In the movie. Yeah, I mean, what didn't she say? Something I got to. I I was not watching that closely because it was a terrible movie. Uh, also pretty low res, but um, I think yeah. I they, was going brown for shitty, but yeah. Well, oh. I, I mean, yeah, there was some. It you know it's all like kind of a red herring. Um, so I wanted to talk about the title a little bit, like um, Busybody. I I thought, oh, it's going to be a weekend at Bernie's, but it turns out to not be. We never actually see the body, right? We hear about the body having been burnt, um, but we never actually see the body. So obviously somebody moved it at some point, but the Busybody is actually Brody, <laughs> Right. Well, no, I think it's a pun because it's Brody, but it's also our protagonist. I That's, think so too. Uh, yeah. Isn't isn't our? Oh yeah, yeah. Charlie. What's what's our protagonist names? Uh, Angel. Al Al Engel, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Aloysius. Aloysius, yeah. Aloysius. But yeah, and there's Aloysius. also Mr. Kane too. He was pretty busy. <laughs> there's a lot of busy. There's a lot of busybodies, including uh, the the widow. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there's a lot of widows in this book, right? Fake widows, real widows. Uh, and um, so I, I I was thinking about that metaphor. Um, we all know what a busybody is, right? <laughs> it's the neighbor who dot dot dot. Um, but there's. There's a couple of other meanings. One is um, uh, there was a play in 1709 called The Busybody, spelled B-U-S-I-E. Um, yes. Which, have you heard of this? Yeah, you, you're a yeah, theater person. Yeah, I, we, we just um, are actually working on it uh, for a theater company that I'm working wow, with. Wow, interesting. Mm-hmm. So this was like a huge deal at the time. It was super popular. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know the plot exactly? Susan Cantilever. Um uh, That's the author, well, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, because we were only working on like a sub a subplot of it, which is um, oh, it's the time of the it's time of the Venice Carnival, and there's this there's this gigolo about town, and so this aristocratic woman is like, I want him, so she sends her maid out to um, tell this guy, you know, hey, my, she she wants you. And um, and and then the husband of that woman wants the maid. So it's just, it's all of these all of these people trying to get with each other. Right. And behind the scenes, the maid is plotting against all of them, and she sets them all up to have this 
grand reveal, like, oh, my God, everybody's in everybody's bedroom. Right. And um, and then she walks away with um, she she she's she takes she takes money from the husband and, and starts her own brand new life. It's kind of similar, right? <laughs> I had a lot more murders than this one. It's, identities yeah. and, and um, disguises. It's, a, and, yeah. it's a French farce in a certain it's sense. A, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's English, but <laughs> um, yeah. I, 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 I didn't know about that before I started reading the book. But, uh, you know, that weird spelling on busy, B-U-S-I-E, the old-fashioned spelling, um, it got me to thinking about the actual uh, meaning of the phrase. Because we know, you know, when when you say, hey, Misa, I'm busy, um, I can't be on the show or whatever. It doesn't mean you're like nosing into other people's business, but that's how we use it, right? When we say mm-hmm. the bus- a busybody, so it's an older, older meaning of uh, yeah, g- being nosy, um, which is another kind of Westlakeian sort of idea. Nosy Parker, right, is uh, where the, the name Parker is sort of because he's not a nosy Parker, but he is Parker, and he does go into people's business. Um, but there's another meaning, 17th century meaning, which is sexually active, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a euphemism. <laughs> so she's a busybody, right? Um, and uh, I started listening to a great book. Uh, Evan, you're going to love this book. Um, it is a kissing book. Sorry about that. But uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Did I tweet this at any of you yesterday? You tweeted no. it, but maybe not at anyone. Yeah. So I... I just, you know, I thought it was a new release on LibriVox. Um, and uh, I had heard of the movie. I'd never seen it. The one with, uh, who's the famous lady? Marilyn Monroe. That's her. Um, and uh, maybe maybe it's a, is it a musical? I think it is. It yeah. is. Um, so there's a, a book. Um, and I think it's like written from a flapper prostitute's point of view. Um, and she starts writing. I, I just listened to the first chapter. It's like half hour, and it's it's super funny, and the illustrations are hilarious. Um, and there is a line, sort of like um, uh, about diamonds are a girl's best friend, like that. In there, um, it's slightly different, um, but uh, it's it's about a girl who's given a gift of uh, a, a book, and she's like, oh. Well, I'll I'll have a look inside and then and it's blank and she says, Well that's not a very good book. <laughs> so this is this like kind of funny, cutesy attitude. She everybody tells her she's smart and she is smart, but she's kinda of super naive, but she's also telling us um so we, we do all this inference work, which is really fun. In any case, um, she's a busybody. <laughs> you never see her like snogging anybody. Sorry, Evan, or ha- happy Evan. <laughs> but what you do see is that there are a lot of gentlemen callers, and uh, it's her journal of her trip to Europe. I think is the book. It's 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 looking to be a really enjoyable uh, book. I was really enjoying it. Um, so that there's that sense of the busybody. Um, and then we have women in this book who are busybodies, right? In the sense, there's uh, only one sex scene, I guess, right? And it's not really much of a scene. But uh, there's there's also um, this woman who keeps showing up and uh, sneaking out of his apartment and hiding. And, and I, 
when he's going through the list of suspects, like who could have framed me, I like it's got to be her. Right? <laughs> I couldn't figure out how. I so I don't think he f- he played fair in the sense of this is a detective story and we're given a list of suspects and we can work it out for ourselves. I wanted that and I didn't get that. No, you don't get that, do you? No. But it, you don't feel cheated, though, do you? No, I don't feel cheated in the solution. But at that, but going through is like I wanted. I, I wanted to be able to try to figure out. I had of had of Aloysius. Poor Aloysius. I kept thinking of it's a mad, mad, mad world, which is a caper movie, which mm. has a character named Aloysius in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like there were char- like when when um, Officer Callahan kept saying, "I recognize you. Mm. I recognize you. I rec-, like." Like that went nowhere, and I, I was wondering, like, if why he he kind of put those there and then just left them there. Mm. Um, and and the mother, I have to talk to you. I have to talk to you. Okay, she's an annoying mother, but I was like, maybe she has something to say to him. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> she's just no, making no. dinner. No, she needs yeah. to do her no, shopping. Why did you come over for dinner again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's not uh, uh, yeah I guess those those aren't exactly dangling threads. What I think is they're very small payoffs, right? The stakes on this are pretty low. So mm. when he when he gets all those phone calls from his mom, it's the threat of California, and obviously eventually connects up with that other busybody, the girl who is always pasting her nails on his on his uh, on her resumes on the back of his doors and writing in lipstick, right? Dolly. Dolly, is that her Dolly. name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are there are a lot of busybodies in this book. There's uh, Brody, who's a body <laughs> we never see, and uh, it's it's a confec- light confection, right? Pretty simple, enjoyable book. Um, Trent, you got to help me on this. I'm pretty sure this is called a nephew novel. Is that right? That's the phrase that stuck in my head for many years. Yeah. Nephew novel. Oh, boy. I'm trying to remember the exact definition. I don't think it's quite, but it's very close. So, like, I I guess, like, uh, we did one not so long ago called uh, Somebody Owes Me Money. Or maybe that was with Scott only. Um, But that's about a guy who gets stiffed on a taxi fare. Um and basically, he's like he's given a tip on a horse instead of a tip on like cash, um, and uh, he ends up um, winning the uh, the the tip, but he can't collect um, because his his bookie's dead and been murdered, and he's on the sort of on the run to solve it, but also uh, he wants to get his money. <laughs> he's not he's been blamed for the murder or something like that and so he's not like actively a part of the cosa nostra or what, what do they call it paul York, the organization the organization the right yeah organization the organization um yeah yeah <laughs> it's like um, he keeps saying yeah a lot yeah <laughs> um the it's i i thought of it a little bit like um uh, and maybe this is where I'm I'm pushing towards Evan, is it's kind of like a, a replacement for government. It's like because uh, they they have their own separate, you know. One of the way the book starts is yeah. it okay. used to be 
that there was mm-hmm. always big hits all the time and they would always have big send-offs. But now, now that things are organized and everybody, uh, you know, goes to regional meetings for a dispute resolution. <laughs> it, 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 felt like the, it felt like the poor organization had gotten turned into a bureaucracy, yeah, it's which is hilarious. But that's right. I mean, if we go back to the origins of government, there's a warlord over here, right? And eventually things settle down and and his his soldiers are now called cops, right? And they have border guards and stuff like that. And everything becomes nice. This is a – like a lot of historians have talked about this with uh, like even not just the origins of government. I mean that's what Tom Paine said, right? That like the original government was basically just thugs, but um, specifically with like organized crime being a a substitute for government in places where states hadn't yet fully incorporated things. Like before the Progressive Era in the United States, when the state was still pretty weak, you had the mafia providing jobs for people, providing like social welfare, kind of filling that gap, right? And yep. one reason like Sicily is so key to this culture is because that was like the more rural and it wasn't really incorporated into the state of Italy until quite late. You know, it was part of it, but it was not totally incorporated into it. So you have so. a beef with somebody. Um, this is literally I've, – I've told this story before, right, on the podcast. When the cops wouldn't give me – uh, satisfaction over the phone. I, I was arguing with the with the receptionist or whoever it is at the police department. Um, do I have to go to the criminal gang down the street uh, to get my satisfaction to get you to investigate to to find out what the truth is? And they're like, no, 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 because that's a competition, right? But it is a a literal monopoly. Um, you know, the government has a monopoly on violence. When they do it, it's fine. When when we do it, that's illegal. But if the if the uh, organization has the ability to enforce um, its will, and it can do that by means of coercion, threats, uh, you know, uh, asking and 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 paying, right? It, it, they pay they pay a lot of people. There's a lot of people on on the uh, on the bill, right? Getting paid. Um, then it is a, a a kind of a second government, and in that way, we think of like um, uh, our hero um, uh, Engel, and I'm not sure what to make of his name. I was thinking of Marx and Engel. <laughs> we'll see about that. So but. he's so he's not a a murderer. He's just a soldier, right? Well, that's the thing, right? Is is actually he's if somebody tried to assassinate the president and some. Some uh, guy was in the uh, Secret Service and saved the president. The president would want to make him, you know, a right-hand man, right? And that we don't think of that as uh, um, murder. We think of that as, you know, doing his duty as a blah, blah. And in a certain sense, he is doing his duty. But we uh, – and that's where, you know, calling them a crime book – they are crime books, but the crime is is kind of twisted in a certain sense, right? Notice that the cop, uh, what was the name of the cop with all the yellow brick road on his? Callahan. Oh, Callahan, right. Callahan. So when Callahan uh, 
was asked to be bribed, right? They <laughs> he didn't arrest the guy. Instead, he brought him back to his boss's desk and slammed him on there and said, "You know, don't try that with me, Sonny." Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is lots of cops are on the take, right? So he can't just say, "I'm going to bring the whole organization of bribing down." Who else have you been bribing? Like he doesn't do that. He's like, "I'm not bribable, me personally." Um, and so there is an acknowledgement, uh, and this is obviously, you know, this is obviously true. Uh, Serpico and all these other stories of reality. This is all, it's so interesting to me that Westlake is sort of paying attention to these tiny details because these are, it feels like he doesn't do any research, but I think he's just really doing a ton of research in his own life, reading the paper and seeing how things actually work. And I feel like that happens every time. So, you know, when the important part is all those hash marks and chevrons are a yellow brick road to the other cops, but to Westlake, it just looks like the Yellow Brick Road, and that's enough for us. So we don't need to know his service history or anything like that. You know, that's not important. What's important is he's he's respected, um, but he doesn't have complete power based on his activity. And that's it's a very subtle sort of take. I was I was trying to think about the insurance angle uh, in this book too, and of course it didn't come up until the end. Because Westlake's always thinking about insurance again—a very strange <laughs> idea—but it, it did it did show up, right? Yeah, I like the bit where um, the uh, the fake widow was like, you know, this was just insurance fraud, but now you're getting into criminal things. Right? I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this was good insurance. I think she says it was good insurance fraud or something like that honest she said honest it was honest insurance fraud and uh and this is also of course uh the plot of double indemnity one of the greatest uh books and also one of the greatest movies uh, hollywood ever made um which is uh an insurance salesman goes against uh his own company and his boss gets involved with a lady who ends up uh uh, you know, she's just doing it because she, she doesn't love her husband, and uh, and and then she persuades our hero Walter Neff into uh, helping her off him, and then gets uh, gets him on the hook for it. And uh, it's like a it's a long tradition. Uh, Black the movie Black Widow from the eighties, which I think is pretty terrific and seems to be completely forgotten. Um, is that too, except it's with an FBI agent uh, investigating it. And it's a girl-girl versus uh, uh, traditional hetero. Anyways. Who's in that movie? uh, Hmm. Two actresses. (laughs) (laughs) Black Widow, 1980-something. It's a good movie. Uh, Black Widow movie, let's see. No, not the twelfth. Yeah, it's it's basically been forgotten. Uh, Eighty-seven, and it stars Deborah Winger and Teresa Russell. And oh. Deborah Winger's the FBI agent on the trail of a woman who keeps marrying people and then offing them. Uh, and Teresa Russell is the uh, the woman. And so the she eraser. Yeah, yeah, there she, is a lot of sexual tension between the two of them in that movie. It's it, 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 well, yeah, I think 
Teresa Russell is a lesbian who is marrying her way to riches and murdering men. Um, and Deborah Winger's just, you know, an honest FBI agent or whatever, but uh, she goes deep cover and kind of becomes attracted to the uh, great personality that Teresa Russell has, which I guess is, is she makes her the Black Widow, right? Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Neo Noir. Very good movie. Completely uh, I don't see it on like Netflix or anything. Nobody cares. Sad story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will add it to my watch list. Yeah, yeah, if you can find mm-hmm. it. Uh it's rated R. A federal investigator tracks down a gold-digging woman who moves from husband to husband to kill them and collect their inheritance. So it's basically uh what we see in this except um we're only seeing her at the start or in the middle and we don't see the others. Uh, but I also, I also, I, I know I was supposed to suspect her because she disappears from the bathroom. I'm like, where'd she go? Right. But I also was like, maybe it isn't her. I I really couldn't get a handle on who, who was doing what. I just knew that eventually Westlake will show it to me, but he's like a great card player. You know he's he's cheating in a certain way, way, but you can't tell what he's how he's doing it. I, I thought it was actually the book's greatest weakness that Engel wasn't suspecting her more with, with her whole relationship with Brock, the funeral parlor employee. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he he created a fairly flimsy explanation in his head for her behavior and kind of let it go with that. Yeah, yeah, and I was like. Dude, this is this is suspicious as hell. <laughs> yeah. Why, why, why are you why are you writing this off? Uh, it's not something that would have happened uh, uh, in a more mature Westlake book. I, I I was thinking about uh, that was like he's. I thought there was like a balance between the reader expects there to be this sort of uh, relationship, a cutesy, uh, flirty relationship. And she keeps turning up in the same way that the the Californian uh, resume sticker <laughs> does. But uh, it, I believe that's how it turns out in the Lawrence Block book, too, Burglars Can't Be Choosers. The, the lo- romantic love interest uh, is the murderer. And, or in the, I guess it, she wasn't a murderer, but she was behind it all, in a certain sense. Um, her husband says he's behind it all, but Ultimately, it is funny that he doesn't notice, but I also thought, well, maybe it's too obvious. And also, he's playing it towards a a kind of um, they're going to hook up later, right? They're going to be it's all going to be it's all going to be innocent because they they spend a lot of time together. They go out to that restaurant that used to be a barn. <laughs> Was that enough wagon yeah. wheels on the walls to? <laughs> Keep the give some place in yeah. business for a year. Yeah, sending sending him out of the city. I thought, oh, you're in trouble, Aloysius. Don't do it. Don't leave the city. Maybe yeah. maybe there's not that much to say about this book. I I mean it. it I mean I think we've done better, Westlake. It's not. It's not his best, for sure. I, I, I mean, enjoyed it's it. Work, it's workmanlike, but it, I didn't find it scintillating and stellar. 
It's not dancing. It's not dancing Aztecs, which we could talk a lot more about. Well, I, I like this yeah. better than dancing Aztecs in a lot of you ways. Did? Yeah, I liked I liked the over the shoulder with one character a lot more. But uh, I think that that's a funnier book, and it has a lot more um, great scenes with funny things happening, and the explanations are pretty good. It's much more like a uh, Dortmunder, and I like Dortmunder's books, but I find. Uh, I find them a little long for the content, if that makes sense. Yeah. Compared to this. Very short. um, He was like a ping pong ball. Bouncing around New York. Sure. Yeah. Like he, like he just went like this happens and Oh, there's no body. Oh, uh, I got to chase this woman. Oh, you know, like it just like, he wasn't really um, steering his ship. He was, uh, so it was it was light in that way and and the same with the characterization of her like she i mean she was obviously um a liar and and uh and a manipulator um but it, but it was it was thin but but i liked it i mean mm-hmm. i liked it a lot but it was it was there was no there was no weight on it which is why i, I wasn't too upset about all the the terrible mafia things they yeah. were doing and the murders and all of that because it was light. Well, it's like watching uh, the producers, right? Uh, they're doing a play about Hitler. You're <laughs> you right. should be upset, but you're not upset because it's funny and it's very, very light. The characters are lightweight, I, <laughs> lightweight in their brains, and <laughs> their motives, you know, fall upon them. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, like all the that. actors. It's it, you can't be upset with it. To, to your point about he's not the one steering the ship, this does end up being the blueprint of uh, many, if not all, of the Dortmunder books, where it's driven by circumstances, and, and the main character's just being jerked along by them and trying to regain control, and for most of the novel, flailing at it. Right. Yeah, it does feel very... Uh, although, with Dortmunder, there's a bigger recurring cast of characters that you know, you learn more about every time, I guess. Um, this this has that, and it has that. Uh, obviously, the New York setting is very much there, but it, it does feel like Westlake calls the tune and the characters dance the jig. Mm-hmm. As, far, as far as other re- recurring motifs from Westlake's work, um, well, Jesse, you mentioned this at the beginning, that the, the a bit about the uh, painting lines on the road or whatever. Mm-hmm. In uh, every single one of his books that I can think of, uh, government is incompetent and or corrupt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we and got plenty bureauc- of evidence he yeah, was right. <laughs> so, so bureaucracy is a big theme, and you brought that up in, in relationship to the uh, to the organization. And it's sort of interesting that Callahan is the only figure I can think of in any Westlake novel who is an uncorruptible, competent <laughs> officer of the government. He's not perfectly competent because he can't remember who this guy is, who basically he should be able to. But he's trying. <laughs> he definitely knows he's suspicious, right? And yeah, we know he's he's... Uh, it, there's a great book um, called Cops and Robbers. Have you read that one, Trent? 
so long ago i do not remember it's it. also it's also a good movie one of the few good adaptations it's about two uh cops who decide to uh supplement their income <laughs> and basically they get in trouble with uh the mafia and the police department and the thing is is they're cops so they have power and there's organization there but it's also just a job right and their power is limited and they have to do what they're told so um it is it is kind of like uh playing both sides and that moral um judgment that we normally would expect he's a criminal right <laughs> stuff like that um it just goes away you don't think about it at all when you're reading westlake it, it's like it's there but i have to focus on it. it's like oh yeah this guy works with people who are uh putting women into prostitution uh ruining people's lives with uh drugs uh profiting off of people's deaths and misery <laughs> Making a mockery of religion. Uh, not that I care that much about that one. <laughs> and, you know, subverting uh, good order. And they're doing it, uh, and and there's no, like, sense of, like, this is a bad thing. It's just the way things are. And You get some good gags out of the prostitution angle. And if you think about it in the real world, it's horrible. It is. That's, some of the funniest lines in the book are around that. It is. I, I mean, if you think of our, our I, I want to think of her as the heroine character, the widow. That <laughs> widow, she, she, she gets away with it, right? But her getting away with it is like leaving the life of prostitution that she left when she got married. Oh, that's great. And then the organization's putting her back into this meat grinder. She knows it's bad. She doesn't want to continue with it. But uh, what, what options does she have? Well, she can run away, right? And that's, I guess, what our uh, viewpoint character Engel does. But that's actually one of the, the best tricks in the novel is it, it does play off the prostitution as no big deal and a lifestyle that's at least somewhat voluntary and it shows her somewhat enjoying it. It's like, well, Engel, Engel needs to get rewarded sexually for what he's done and and she won't she won't say no to that she won't let him say no to that right and so you, you think well you know this is just the life that these people do and it turns out well yeah she really did want to get out of it right but she writes a nice note right so like he's playing it both <laughs> ways in a certain sense but i i kept thinking like he definitely he's a thinker he isn't just like punching a clock here he's literally thinking about like and that's why his characterization i think is so good is he he doesn't you know even he wrote a book um humans a very strange book uh pretty late in his writing career um in which the main character was a fireman who who got like radiation and physical scarring burns from chernobyl as like that's a weird thing to think about, right? Like, why would that guy be, you know, our main character? Um, he's thinking about this stuff. He, he's not just reading the paper. He's reading behind the headlines, and he's meeting these people, and he's saying, "Well, what does this all mean?" Um, and and I, I mentioned this. Uh, it was on his website. The website's still up. It hasn't been updated since 2018, I think, or 2019. 
um, the Donald D. Westlake website. There was a, like a, back in the, remember the early days of the web, you would go to a website and there would be like a click through and be like, hey, welcome to the blah, blah, blah website. And you'd have to click on it. Please enter. Let <laughs> me click on it. And that front yep. page used to say, I believe my subject is bewilderment, but I could be wrong. And that's in quotation marks. And you see Donald Westlake's face. And I'm like, what does that mean? But I'm starting to get <laughs> that that's literally what he's talking about. It's like, isn't it weird that we live here in this way that we do? And that's sort of what all his books are about. Mm-hmm. Maybe that is the point. Like that, that, that he, he put us in this mob world that's normal. And it, we're not questioning that it's normal because we're in it. You're right. And yeah. But he, he has this ability to step back and say, isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, wh- aren't, you, aren't you surprised? I don't see anybody else surprised. Everybody seems like this is normal. That's kind of weird. You guys are weird. <laughs> well, yeah. That's what I think. <laughs> um, and it's such a, it's such a weird, uh, bizarre situation where, you know, he, he knows he's really good. Like, you know, when, you, when you're good at playing basketball, uh, really good at it, and you know you're really good, and you don't get to play for some reason – you think there's just something wrong with the world, right? And if you're really good at writing and you don't get to play, you don't get to get paid for it when other people are getting paid for writing, you think there's something wrong with the world. That's why he wrote that I'm why I'm leaving science fiction thing. And he was right when he left, he started getting paid a lot better than he would be in science, in the science fiction realm. Um, so there's the kind of, um, this is an, an escape, but I didn't. I didn't think Engel was going to get out of the business at all. That was Neither a surprise. I. Mm-hmm. I just thought he's going to get back in his good books, and one day he he's going to be a member of the board or whatever. He's going to chair. He might even be chairman himself, right? And that's he was just going to get back to normal. But uh, so, somehow working. Uh, maybe it is a happy ending that he's going for and everybody seems to get a pretty happy ending (laughs) i mean it's at least like an exhausted guy gets out of the thing that exhausts him you know yeah like yeah his mom (laughs) gets away from his mom is always bugging him to come over for dinner (laughs) (laughs) well and the the organization it's exhausting like they put him through the ringer they did um and you know he can't he can't be trusted he can't trust his boss. I mean, his his boss kept the gun, right? <laughs> it did seem to me that it, it, he might have been better off pursuing the widow than Dolly. I thought he was going to pursue the widow. Yeah, I I, I thought the widow was going to be uh, his love interest because like, she's got the money. <laughs> and that would be that would be an ending, like him going off to California with the widow. But no. But notice that that's also what what uh the the couple behind it all were trying to do they were going to get away to hawaii right it's we got to escape the system right that's the whole thing is we got to get out and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of parallel motivations going on and i was i was a bit suspicious when the the i I was like this has got to connect the when his his face was disfigured i'm like okay they can't do a DNA back then, right? <laughs> so if, if a guy's head is burned off, then 
it could be used as a swap for something else, but I don't feel like I got uh, enough clues to get me ahead of 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 our guy of Angle. What do you make of that name, Will? What do you think? Is this is he is he is he got an angle? <laughs> no, I think it's just a name. Just a um, name. Yeah, I don't think it's more meaningful than like Aloysius. Like you know, I think it's just a name. I don't know. Because the Brody body thing, he's playing some sort of game there. He's good with names, and I. I but I. I don't. It might just be angle, you know. Yeah. What's his angle, right? Yeah, I mean that's why I took it as. Yeah. And it's sometimes, sometimes it's sometimes it's straightforward, Jesse. It does not as <laughs> well, as you yeah. want it to be. No, that's you're you're right. It is possible for it to be straightforward. Sometimes a rose is a rose. <laughs> sometimes it's a girl's name, and sometimes it's a boy's name. Well, there you go. See, that's that's another one, right? The it's the playing with the name, right? Um, and uh, yeah, the 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 scene where he says, um, "There's this uh, this rose person," <laughs> and the guy's <laughs> like, "Okay, you've got the gun. <laughs> I agree. There's a person. There's a lady named Rose. There's a." So, um, there is a, a way of forcing it, but what what did you think of this book, Evan? This is what your third Westlake, something like that. It's a few more than that. Yeah, maybe fourth, fifth. I I enjoyed this book. I thought it was a. I mean, it really struck me comedically. I mm-hmm. I enjoyed. I listened to this book. Yeah, I was walking around a lot that day, and I I was laughing out loud. So I, I found it funnier than I think you guys did. It's funny. Um, and I don't know. I don't think there's that much to say about it. I think it's, I think the, the, the you know, him being this kind of mid-level functionary in like low-level actually functionary is, is kind of a engaging character. And then the, that makes him an engaging character and then he kind of escapes that. That's what I got out of this story mm-hmm. more than anything else. Uh, it's just, so I, I wasn't. I, I was kind of glad he didn't just become another, you know, next head of the organization. Yeah, yeah, I was too. It, isn't it weird though? Um, like this, this book. I was thinking about it's early in his career, but it's not really because he's he starts in in fifty nine as a novelist, right? And those are the pornographic books. Um, and he's continu- You know, he continues right up to his death as two thousand eight. Uh, and there's a new book coming out this year called Call Me a Cab, an old one. Uh, some, I think somebody on the Hard Case Crime website said uh, he was what uh, almost as productive in his death as he was in life. Because uh, since uh, 2008, it, there's been uh, five books come out, right? Uh, and I, and uh, I, I sent uh, Trent this morning, I was... Uh, I was late last night. I was uh, looking on Abe, Abe uh, Advanced Book Exchange website, um, and uh, I'm like, "Oh my god, what's this?" And it was like, it says it's a novel on the cover, but it's a manuscript, and it looks like a uh, uh, an unsold movie script for Henry Winkler Productions, or maybe unmade. I was like, "Wow, more Westlake. There's more Westlake out there." Um, so. Oh, yes, please. 
yeah, tell me about that. Red Book and Call Me a Cab. Oh, I, I was going to... I meant that to be offline, but we'll talk about it. Oh, so, okay. But call, call Me a Cab, is, as we mentioned in the Brother and Sister podcast, was mm-hmm. originally a novella published in Red Book, and it was expanded into a novel that was unpublished until now. And so I had an eBay search on that issue of Red Book, and it mm-hmm. finally popped up. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this, because I'm sure I'm willing to bid more on an issue of Red Book than anybody else is. Meaning, you know, fifteen or twenty bucks for right. an old red book. How how much? <laughs> you know, what what's going on? So I wait till there's thirty seconds left, and I, I bid fifteen fifty. <laughs> Except enough. you know how you know how most places uh, will insert a decimal point, and I would think especially with eBay because you might bid slightly over an even dollar amount just in case someone right. bid the even dollar amount. I accidentally bid fifteen hundred and fifty dollars. Oh shit. <laughs> Oh no! And it, and it went. And I won it at seventy nine dollars. Holy cow! <laughs> Could have been a lot and, worse. Well, for the well, the thing is, is my wife would kill me if I paid seventy nine dollars for an issue of Red Book, and she grants me a lot of slack, but that's a little too much. Wow! And so, for the first time in oh twenty years of using eBay, I wrote the guy and explained the situation. He was very nice about it, but uh, I did not get the Red Book. Oh <laughs> no! I cannot bring myself to spend $79 on it. I think I need to find a library that's got uh, Red Book and binders and just scan the thing. That'd be good. I, but but I have not yet found that library. But I can send you the issue number if you want to do some detective work on your own. Red Book is, is uh, coming down, but we're getting a lot more Blue Book because... Uh... <laughs> Red Book is, Red Book is the is the women's magazine. Blue. Uh, yes. You know, there's all. It's really interesting. Uh, the, there was a yellow book, and that was for theater. Uh, Blue Book turned into a men's magazine. Red Book turned into a women's magazine. But uh, Red Book was always kind of a women's magazine, but it was a fiction magazine. Now today, if Red Book is still around, it's like I don't know recipes or something like that. So it's still a woman magazine, but it's it's not it that. And there's a similar one uh, um, in Australia. They have Australian Women's Weekly, and it has, uh, you know, just regular straight-up fiction that men and women can enjoy. But um, so the, there was a segregation there. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I was I was thinking about where this book is placed. So in in his writing career, right, Westlake is he's in the middle of. Uh, Stark's um, Parker novels when this one came out. So it's like a, it's a break, I guess. So we had uh, that book, um, Campus Campus Lovers, I think is a sequel, right, to Campus Doll. And then The Man with the Getaway Face, which is I, my favorite Stark book, uh, which we've done a show on. The Outfit, The Mourner, The Score, this is all in the early 60s. Pity Him Afterwards, which I've not read. The Fugitive P- Pigeon, which... I can't remember if I read the Jugger, the seventh, and then the Busybody. Um, and what's funny is you can imagine this book ending a different way. And if it was written today, Paul, it would totally be a series. I don't know how it yeah, could be a series, sure. but it but would it totally would be. be a series, right? Yeah, it's how publishing works these days. It does, but the thing is, is it kind of worked that way back then too, right? If uh, the reason Dortmunder becomes a series is because there's a demand for series 
And the reason the Stark became a series is because the uh, editor said, this book is really good. Give me one a year, right? Change the ending and give me one a year. And, and so he, he has to fiddle with the character quite a bit. Uh, I, I don't think that the Parker character from the first book is very much like the Parker character from the second book. All the rest of the books in the series, the character is, he, uh, it's just, he's described as like a shark, right? Emotionless, just hungry, always has to keep moving. Whereas in the first one, it's all driven by revenge. And it's a lot darker in a certain sense. Uh, so uh, what do you think about these, these, these uh, books that stand alone like... Uh, Dancing Aztecs, um, you know, that's not, that's not a series. It can't be a series, but he does write that kind of book over and over again, right? Castle in the Air is kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there are authors today who write, I mean, most authors are kind of channel series, but there are authors that write similar books over and over again. Um, Don Scalzi comes to mind, who writes series, but also writes books with the John Scalzi kind of style. You kind of kind of know what you're kind of getting into when right. you read a John Scalzi book, and for some people that's feature not bug. I'm not I'm I'm not knocking John Scalzi either. I've I've read a couple of books. I like them well enough, but there are people who eat that sort of thing up with a spoon. So, but if well, you have well, a style. I'm, I'm thinking. Um, you know, like I like Westlake. So if it's a new Westlake book, that's great. If it's part of a series, I'm like less interested. But that's you know that's just me as well. But what, I, what I'm thinking is, like, what does that do for the author? Like, does he say, ah, you know, I've been writing all these Stark books. I need a break. I need to flex some other muscles here. Um, and yet, when you get to the end of this one, you like, oh, you could totally see this being turned into a series, even though it's designed not to be, right? In mm-hmm. the same way that the original Parker book was designed not to be a series. It was designed to be wasted. Like, the characters are exhausted. <laughs> So, um, so if this if this was a series book, he would have gone off with the widow, and then in the sequel, uh, oh, what's his name, the the mobster, uh, Nick Gravito, Nick Gravito, uh, would have been trying to track him down because if they've got the money, right, and, yeah. and it's the principal, he would say, and yeah, it's the principal, the principal. Uh, I think it would have needed a, a more interesting main character. Uh, Al, Al, Al suits the purpose of the book, but, mm. but his personality isn't really the point. He barely has one in a certain sense. I, I was, I was surprised like the way they cast it in the movie is like, he was a lot older and a lot, I don't know. He, it seemed, he seemed a lot more like the opening character, you know, opening scene characters complaining about his knees. Uh, whereas in the rest of the book, he's sort of just there and we're following him along. And he doesn't really have a lot of witty things to say. He's smart, but he's, and he's, we know how tall he is. He's six foot one, right? But we don't really get a sense, you know, we get a sense of his hair color because they tell us. But other than he has a mom, it's, it's pretty simple. He's, he's heterosexual. <laughs> There's not that much to it, right? Uh, whereas with, with a character like Grofield, um, who's an actor, part a full-time actor, uh, mostly out of work, um, <laughs> and a uh, part-time heister. Um, his character is he's always playing a role, right? He's just pretending to be 
a criminal. And that it, it it works as a series, and I think that's why that got spun off into a series. That character got spun off into a series is because this was a character that could work as a as a a person to see the world through. And I, how well how well that series works is debatable. I agree. It's not his, his best stuff, but he he works pretty great as a side character in uh, the score yes. and such, right? Because he is not like Parker, and he is also not a uh, turncoat like all the other ones, right? He's just he's just doing a job. He has his own thing going on. It's almost like it. Uh, it's a, like a lens through which they see the world, right? And so we don't really get to see the lens through which our uh, Aloysius gets to see the world through. We just see it through Westlake's point of view. And so when he makes that decision at the end of this book, I don't feel like, oh, yeah, that was, um, uh, I, I could see that coming. The only thing that made me th- see it coming was the California, right? Answering the phone, California. And so, yeah, the, 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 there's a scene like that where he answers the phone and he says California and it's the wrong person. That's like <laughs> a little bit of humor, Westlakean humor, but it's not like hilarious jokes. It's more um, subtle fun. Maybe he's going to be a milkman. Why? Because he said, I should have been a milkman. Mm. They have a union. Yeah. Yeah, unions was one of the other things that was uh, being worked, right? Everything is corrupt in this world. Mm Hmm. Except for Callahan. Except, Except for, for Callahan. But he's barely he's in the book, right? I mean, he, he's, he's more of a plot element than an actual character. I mean, why he's is Callahan in so incorruptible yeah. in, in, in this world where everybody else is up for sale? Why is Callahan the, the Javert of this book? He's uh, played by Richard Pryor in the movie. What? Right? Yeah. And he's 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 good in the movie, but uh, it's his first movie role. He's very young. I'm glad I didn't continue watching this movie, or maybe just rage quick even harder than I did. It's oh not it's not a good movie, um, very bad movie. But he's good in it, um, and it you can see he's got the screen charisma and the voice. I, and, I, I mean, now, now thinking of corruption stuff, I'm thinking of like the movie Soylent Green, where all the cops are corrupt. That's a that's a much richer story, right? <laughs> that's a much richer story. I mean, I mean, um, but it is New um, York as well. It, it is New York, and it's in the future. Charles and Heston basically steals the dead guy body blind. His police captain says, "Well, what's for mother?" And mm-hmm. they, they pay off the garbage guy. It's like it it, it is so reeking, and, and of course, of course, the plot spoiler hinges around uh, basically this guy getting killed and the governor of New York being in on it but not wanting to speak who to stole the body I stole the body it's for it's what's for dinner <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was pretty standard in, in American crime fiction was like all the institutions are corrupt top mm-hmm. to bottom mm-hmm. you know and it's like the European crime fiction is like the Agatha Christie stuff it's like yes you know you got this Detective, he comes in, the and there's never, never social corrupt. analysis. It's, yeah. it's it's always just the clo- it's, it's chess. Very clo- like closed room mysteries, locked room, yeah, right? yeah. 
locker room. You come to some estate, and it's like all the suspects are there for whatever reason. It's it doesn't deal with the social aspects, but you know Hammett all the time. I mean, in Hammett's stories, there's never like the police are always corrupt in those stories. Yes, it's it's the 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 lobsters. It's like everyone is dirty top to bottom. Yep, so it's actually notable that that this uh, Callahan is apparently clean, but who knows? It it was interesting when I when I was really getting into Westlake early on, um, talking to booksellers, like about what genre he was writing. They always wanted to follow him under mystery. And this tech, this is one of the stories that technically is a mystery in a certain sense. It doesn't play like a mystery, right? As Evan's pointing out the, uh, you know, Agatha Christie style where there's a detective, he's an amateur detective, right? He's solving a, a problem, but the Stark novels are far less mysterious. Um, of course, Mysterious Press is the one who puts them out, right? So there's this kind of um, two-sided thing. I always told the booksellers that I was buying... These are crime books. And they would point me to the true crime section of the bo- bookstore. And I don't know, they're not true crime. They're about criminals. And I'm like, okay. Um, right, so like classifying a, a where to put his stuff like a book like too much which i'm sure ha- all his stuff has crime in it but that's that's a little more like a sex novel right it doesn't it doesn't classify easily and i think part of part of the reason things get written is just to get it in the bookstore's section where people know to get it so you're reading a sff book it goes in the science fiction section or the fantasy section. You put a dragon on the cover, it's fantasy, right? <laughs> you, put, you put a yeah. gun on the cover, it's a, uh, it's a uh, mystery novel, even though <laughs> it's a and crime novel. And you put a spaceship novel. on the cover, it's science fiction. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, uh, you put a heaving bosom on the cover, it's a romance, right? Um, so it's funny to me that Westlake... He f- he's always slotted in as a mystery writer, and I think he won like a Mystery Writers of America winner. But he almost never wrote an actual straight up mystery. This is pretty close to a straight up mystery, but that's not really what he's writing. It's much more um, about crime and what and, and slice the life of the people who are in the crime industry, as it were, the organization. Yes, and and, and how it actually all works day to day. The quoted quoted D, and I love that word. The quoted D in life of of Aloysius as he has to basically do his job and winds up getting framed and dealing with his mother and eventually going off to California. Yeah. And there's this idea of, of it being a crime book makes it also sound like there's like, you think more like this Richard Stark, he's going to, he's going to rob someplace. Or there's going to be a bank job or something like that. And that, this is how movies, you know, classify themselves too. But actually, uh-huh. this is not that. It's, it is more uh, about a slice of life in a certain sense. But always in the background is that sort of reality of, of corruption. And his take isn't like, this is horrible. It's more like, this is the reality. And we sort of just got to laugh through it, laugh our ways through it. This is business. Yeah, 
it's it's really interesting. I I never got to talk to Westlake at all, so I don't really understand. Like, it's like why are you so weird? That'd be what I would ask. Um, but he is weird. He's he's a very strange guy. He's really thinking weird thoughts, and and it comes across as not weird at all. Uh, and I, I I think it it has to do with that you know bet against the insurance. To so there's something there. Maybe this isn't the best book to to draw that out from, but he's a mysterious guy. I don't I don't, I don't understand him. I want to get a hold of what 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 he's thinking, what his his uh, philosophy is, or are. I don't know. Uh, anything else? Anybody got anything else on this book? Just the the robustness of the descriptions of things. Oh, um, so yeah, I, I want to say that he's good at what we call in fantasy world building, right? Mm-hmm. Just his his read on the geography of New York, um, everything about um, Al's apartment. It's just oh it's fabulous. It, yeah, mm-hmm. he just goes through and it's like, okay, this part came from this guy, this part came from this guy. I mean, he spends a lot of time on just that kind of stuff. Mixing that, drinks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, mixing drinks. And, like, how much scotch does this guy drink, like, over the course of this novel while he's, like, trying to keep a clear head? Like, uh, I don't know. Um, it was the 60s, but, uh, I guess. It, it, was the, it was the 60s, and he was on the run. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think you're I think you're right. I think we need to read more Westlake to bore into the philosophy more. Mm-hmm. There is a uh, another science fiction uh, one we haven't done that's on LibriVox, and I have not read. I, b- I believe it was an astounding. Um, I think I text messaged a picture of it to a couple of you last night. Not me. It was a pretty mysterious text. I think it was Paul, and yeah, it was God save. Uh, no, God save the mark. That's that's uh, uh, narrated by Oliver Wyman, who I who used to be on Twitter and then rage quit it. <laughs> it's now on Discord only playing games. Um, uh, have you read that one? Trent, God Save the Mark? Because I, I can't remember it if I have read it. it I, I think it's a, a nephew I, book. Yeah, I have a copy. I haven't read it yet. Oh, okay. Um, it's, it's just, <laughs> Here's an excuse. If we yeah, schedule no, a show, then. Jesse. Oh, Paul, get on that schedule and find find when it's good for everybody. I'm going to try and find that LibriVox one that I was looking at last night. LibriVox Westlake. There's not that many science fiction of his. He just didn't like, write that. We did a short story of his a while back. Yeah, um, it was professional. That building that he was in, remember? A uh, building. I, I can't oh remember yeah, the spy in the elevator. Oh, spy in the elevator. elevator. Terrific. I got saved. The mark is not science fiction. That's oh, okay. I don't mind. Uh, it's it's crime. It's crime. <laughs> and we have crime not to do it. I and it know. follows right on the heels of. Uh, uh, the busybody. Oh, does it? It's, uh, it's not directly after, but it's a year later. Okay. I think he probably got two or three in that year, but it's, it's pretty close. Yeah, he's he, incredibly. How many did he write a year? That's. Uh, I don't know how many books did he write total. It's it's a little unclear, but at least two books a year is what I'm guessing. Yeah. It, it definitely. In his early days, he wrote three or four a year. Yeah. Really. They're short books, um, but Still. in later years, it was at least one a year. Um, so the the one I was thinking of is called They Also Serve, and I don't know much about it. Um, 
Oh no, that's not it. That's only twelve minutes. Um, I think I do. I have read that one. Where's the Westlake list? Westlake. No. He's got a collection of. of uh, I'm not sure. If they've Tomorrow's ever Crimes is the one I'm thinking of. Tomorrow's Crimes has a novella, and I believe that's got a connected series of short stories. The uh, Starship Hopeful series. I think yes. It's six or six or seven short stories. The one I'm, I'm I was thinking of is here. It's called uh, "Call Him Nemesis." It's an hour long. It's from If Worlds of If. Call um, Nemesis. Ooh, yeah, I don't know that one. Yeah, Ooh. it says criminals beware. The scorpion is on your trail. Hoodlums fear his fury, and for that matter, so do the cops. Uh, oh, and, and so it's this, kind of like a pulp hero kind of deal. I don't know. It starts off as uh, with a robbery. The man with the handkerchief mask said, All right, everybody, keep tight. This is a holdup. So, uh, I don't know much about it, but uh, there is one illustration. It does how, not look very science fiction but it's in If, which was a science fiction mag. So, How does March 6th work, work for people? Good for me. March 6th? March 6th. That'd be Hold a on, Sunday me... at 8 a.m., right? Correct. I think I'm... I think the, I think I'm out of pocket on March sixth. What does that mean? <laughs> that means I'm, I'm unavailable. Is that um, something to do with the, spilling tea? No, um, uh, no, pocket. I, yeah, I would re- if it's if it's the if it's what it sounds like. I'd really like to be in on this one if we could do it. Move it on to like the thirteenth. The thirteenth. How's the thirteenth work for people? This is for call call him nemesis or for God save the mark. I, I was going to call him Nemesis first. I'm cool with either one or both. We can always save the novel for later. We can always save the novel for later. Yeah, I, call him Nemesis sounds uh, is what I was referencing. Okay, so how does how does the thirteenth work for other people? That works. Evan, March thirteenth. Uh, really think that far ahead. Put him on Hopefully with a question mark. Sense. I'll put him on with a question mark and put everybody I mean, else. It's... If it's Sunday, it's yeah. Sunday, it would be, it would, it would be Sunday. Up late. Yep, you can do it. You've done it before, <laughs> <laughs> like today or tonight. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash SFF audio. I have put it on the schedule as March 13th. Call and Nemesis by Donald Blessling. Trent, that work for you? Up, shut. Good, good. All right. I'm looking forward to that. How, how it became Jesse's scheduler and... Uh, uh, right hand man. I, 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 I guess <laughs> Don't betray me, Paul. I'll Whoa. put you in a. I'll put you. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a shovel and send you off to dig somebody up. <laughs> oh God! Well, yeah, you were saying um, on uh, on you were playing PUBG and you were talking about how close a connection you had to the mafia. I was like, mm-hmm. he, I, I I was thinking, Paul definitely read this book. 
<laughs> that was earlier in this work because he wouldn't have come up. You know, you don't think about the mafia every day. Yeah, it wouldn't have come up. No, no, I, no, I, no, not anymore. Not since I left New York. So, what's the story? Uh, you're two two degrees away from being a, a made man. Um, nope. Um, um, basically, a friend of the family is the godson of a mafia. See, that makes Quite you the like. nephew. <laughs> That's how this works. Trent, we never actually talked about what a nephew novel was. I I don't know where I got the phrase. Was it from your website? It, it is. It's a phrase that Westlake used uh-huh. to just to describe uh, a certain type of novel where there's some. It, 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 the Fugitive Pigeon is his first comic novel, and that's a nephew book where. The nephew's uncle is a mobster, and the nephew's kind of clueless about that. And got he's an innocent person, but he, he gets sucked in that way. Here's a list of uh, nephew novels. The Fugitive Pigeon, The Busybody, The Spy in the Ointment. I haven't read that one. God Save the Mark. Somebody Owes Me Money. That's a, that's almost a perfect book. I, I, I cannot highly recommend that book enough. It's like... Oh, that's a great one. It's it's delightful. It's got romance. It's got uh, uh, just you know a guy driving around in a cab a lot, and uh, oh, it, it'd be like the, it, if you imagine the perfect rom com with a mystery uh, needing to be solved. It's that, and it's it's a it's the perfect book. The casting is perfect in your head wow. <laughs> while you're reading. It. A great book. Um, Up your banners. I've not read that one. I gave it the office. Have not read that one. Help! I'm being held prisoner. I have not read that one, but really want to read that one. And brothers, yeah, that's Keep- a fun one. Brothers Keepers, I I know was released by uh, Hard Case Crime, and I think uh, Charles Ardai said something like, uh, "There's like one one tiny thing at the beginning that could be considered crime, and we don't care." <laughs> <laughs> and then Money for Nothing, which I do highly recommend as well. It's been that a long also, time. That's also a great one. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. the plot that well, but um, I believe the premise is basically uh, there's a guy sitting on the park bench and he gets a note or something, and then from for the rest of his life he starts getting like checks in the mail, um, and he's like starts cashing them, <laughs> and then one day um, he gets a yeah maybe he's on the park bench he gets a note like slipped under or something. Somebody in the park left, and it's, you know, he, I don't know, pulls the rock up to see what went on, and it says, you have been activated. (laughs) 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 Now I'm sort of remembering the plot a little bit. I think it's kind of like, imagine the the Soviet Union thinks you're a spy (laughs) for them, (laughs) and you've been taking their checks for 20 years. That one might have made a good movie. Oh, dude. That's the Not thing that is they always adaptations have gone all that well. They but. almost always fuck it up, and I think it's mostly to do with the genre uh, or the you know the medium, I guess. Because Westlake is he's one of the best novelists ever. He's just so good at the novel form, and movies are aspire to do what novels can do, and but they can't really do it. They do other things. You know, Blade Runner is a really good movie, uh, but. It's not do Android dreams uh, dream of electric sheep at all, right? It's nothing like it, um, and they work in completely different 
ways. It's very rare to find a film that is like the book. Philip K. Dick apparently thought Blade Runner was a terrific adaptation because it... He was happy to cap- get paid. <laughs> well, yes, but it, he thought it captured... It does. What wanted to say ...and did not care that it wasn't yeah. literal. Yeah, I mean, it does cap... It, it has all this empathy stuff that he was going for. It's just very subtle. So... Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. Jesse, it was fun. Well, I'm going to take those thank yous and I'm going to wrap them all up and pay my bills with them. (laughs) 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 Thank you for participating. Um, It's uh, is that woofy or I don't know, Um, uh, Trent. I saw something also late late last night um, about who uh, Donald Westlake's favorite writer was. And it was somebody named John R- Rabbi or something. Do you know about this? I do not. Donald Westlake's favorite author. You, you know, while you're doing that, I should if we're, if we're doing if you're going to have this on the uh, podcast, Jesse, mm-hmm. we should mention that SSF Audio does have a Patreon, so you can ah. financially support SSF Audio at patreon.com. Ah, it's going to be SSF Audio. <laughs> Wow, you're too good. So, the um, the it, it it gets in the uh, end thing cap thing. Okay, but I'm just making sure you. Don't. All right. So uh, I there there maybe somebody could help me here. There I know that he really really admired. Uh, it was literary fiction. I think it was a series of six to eight books. And I want to call it Dancers at the End of Time, but that's Michael Moorcock. But that's it's Moorcock, some, yeah. It's something somewhat similar to that in, in, in title, and it escapes me. And he even name drops them in one of the Parker books. Hmm. Uh, somebody's reading the book, and for the life of me, I cannot recall it. Hmm. Uh, even though I downloaded the first volume on Kindle for eventual reading. Um, I, will try to, I will try to figure that out. Maybe it's Peter Rabbi. I don't know who this guy is. Oh, Peter. Oh, yes. Peter Rabbit. Peter Rabbit. R A B E. German American writer. Says, I'm, yeah. I've never read a book by him. I've read. Uh, I've read a couple of his crime fiction books. I do not remember which ones. But uh, Hard Case Crime. Hard Case Crime has put out a couple of them. Oh, really? That's I'm pretty sure. So apparently in an essay um, in a book called Murder Off the Rack, <laughs> Westlake opens with, Peter Rabbe wrote the best books with the worst titles of anybody I can think of. <laughs> um, his first two books are The Ticker and The Hook. Oh, that's interesting. Um, that sounds like Captain Hook. Well, he's Westlake wrote a book called The Hook as well. Oh. Um and uh stop this man also so hmm that's interesting uh that's usually how i find really good writers is i find out who somebody i like the writing of likes the writing of yeah uh, and they, go they, back they, and back and back that can be useful yeah uh yeah the rabbi is short for rabinovich looks like interesting I wonder if he picked him up in Germany. Uh, mostly crime fiction published between 55 and 1975. Maybe not. Maybe he's a semi-contemporary. 
Okay. Uh, I, I, I got it. I yeah? got it. A Dance to the Music of Time by Anthony Powell. I've never heard of this author. It's, uh, that That is... Uh, he admired that one greatly and did name, dro- uh, did, uh, name drop the series in one of the Parker novels. The mm. character's on an airplane uh, reading reading that. That's a great title. I'm looking it up here. Yeah, and I've wanted to start it, but it is very, very long. Ooh. 43rd greatest novel. English novel in the 20th century. 43rd gr- greatest English no- language novel. A 12 oh, wow. novel epic of English life in the 20th century, according wow. to my own writing from 15 years ago. Wow. Yeah, and the first book's called so, A Question of Upbringing. Quite, quite, quite a commitment there. So. Yeah. I wonder if there's audio books. That's almost as long as the original Parker series. Uh, yeah. But you don't have to read those in order. Do you have to read these in order? Yes. Okay. I'm going to go. Oh, see. and it was in Plunder Squad. Plunder Squad. That was a really hard to get a hold of book. I had to get my copy from the interlibrary loan to the Yukon. Wow! I know. What? <laughs> Sitting in the Yukon. Well, wow. British Columbia and uh, BC, uh, British Columbia and the Yukon share an interlibrary loan system. So, oh, no. there's a story of the journey of a poor book from the Yukon down to Vancouver. Yeah, it was not uh, not available as an audiobook. There was a couple like that that were just not, and that's one of the longer ones. It's also not one of the best ones. Butcher's Moon, I think, was another not. A long, not best one. But oh, most people, including me, love Butcher's Moon. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, I think like uh, Slayground's the worst of those series. Oh well, we di- we disagree a lot on this. <laughs> well, but you probably don't think uh, the man with a getaway face is the best of the series either. I think it's I think it's good. What I about the I, Mourner? What's your feeling on the Mourner? I like it better than Westlake did. I liked it. Wait, no, no. The, the, the one he hated was uh, the one that came right after it. The the Jugger. I like the Jugger. Westlake did not. He gets my 11s up. <laughs> a reference for only me. It's a line from the book. You know, you, you know a man's going to die when his 11s are up. On the back of his neck, there's like the two, uh, uh, I don't know, cords that you can see on somebody's uh. head. His elevens are up. <laughs> means... uh, the, the worst, the worst Parker book is, is, in my opinion, is probably the Black Ice score. Oh, I loved all the scores. I love the, the Green Eagle score, the regular score. The, uh, the Rare Court score is great. That's a good book. That's one of the best. The, the Black Ice score. There's a scene in it where Parker talks for like five pages straight. Wow. And it's like that's that's not Parker. <laughs> Parker doesn't talk for five pages. Hmm. I wonder what kind of a sandwich he had that day. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, it threw him off his game. Uh, all right. Well, um, Evan's going to go to bed, and every everybody else is yeah, going to. Good, good night, Evan. Good night, Evan. Good night, Evan. Good night, John Boy. <laughs> I dated myself with that one. Yep, that's a reference from the 1930s. <laughs> Not quite. Set, <laughs> I believe the show was set in the 30s. <laughs> so, <laughs> technically, um, that was a real popular show. Yes, it was. It's weird too because it 
Uh, see you next week. Yeah, I, I don't know what's on next week. What's on next week? Uh, next week Almura. is actually Almura on Saturday, which means I won't be there. Sadly, you're going to be uh, gaming. I, I'm time. gaming. Yes, I mean and the, the, the things are heating up for my for our characters in that game too. So we nearly died last, last yesterday. So, but you know we survived. But most we're going to my character's adopted hometown. So I've got to be there. Well, what's oh, an adopted? We're going to add Omelis. Well, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. We're going to add Omelis and uh, um, old equations. Yeah. So I was. You have some idea about that? Thinking about doing a double show on uh, the ones who walk away from Omelis. Omelis. Yeah, and uh, the cold equations. I've read the cold equations. I have not read the ones who walk away from oh. the other one. <laughs> the ones that walk away from almost uh, yeah i would love to talk about those two stories all right as uh, long as it's on a time and place i can do it well uh 0306 is open if you're interested it i is. can't do 06 oh yeah oh. yeah okay well we'll skip to uh uh 320 oh, that sounds right you got you got your add seven to 13 pretty good <laughs> it's a skill um, I so I, I, I assume there's it's a an, cold equation. <laughs> um, I assume there's a ones who walk away audiobook. I have not looked it up. Ones who it's walk. not a long story. Oh, no, it's not. Yeah, but, but getting a did hold you read of it, that that uh, that challenge? The Sean Fever, the ones who don't walk away. No, that said, basically, if we all just vote for for Little Mellow's version of. Of Biden, we can. Oh, I'm gonna have to read this because it doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> you, I think you referenced it you in gotta, a direct message. Yeah, you gotta uh, from read old. the original story and then read this. What response, is almost is hilarious? Responses, aren't there? Yeah, and they all seem to be like miss the point. It seems I haven't read a good one yet. All right, audiobook. The ones who walk away from Omelis is from nineteen. It's like the, the responses are are all like the the you know the people who say like oh we can like address the climate change but I still want to eat like steaks yeah, a couple times a week. Only a couple. <laughs> uh, it's not showing up on Audible. That does not mean anything because it's probably part of a collection. Oh, this is I'm on Audible Canada. Yeah, it is. It would be in a collection, right? I wonder if that'll show up. It would be in a collection. No, it's not coming up there. So let's. It's FDB. It's. I'm sure it's available. It's just it's fifteen uh, minutes. Yeah. Oh well, there, maybe that's one on YouTube then. Yeah, there are versions on YouTube. Oh, okay. Well, that solves part of it at least. Um, and and, and there's equations there is a, available. There's a somewhere. podcast version on Audible. What's that mean? Um, Audible also does podcasts. Okay, so. but I'm not a uh, member of Audible. I, I I am, but I just don't pay the subscription fee. Cool. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna add this one to my library so then I can listen to it. Uh, because as an um, Audible subscriber, I get all the podcasts. Okay, free. so I can sell Misa on the Cold Equations, but I can't sell anybody on the other one because I haven't read it. I I can uh, sell the, the ones sell who, the ones who walk away to Misa. Okay, so so the, it, it it basically um, runs around the philosophical problem of what would what are you willing to sell? 
sacrifice or who you want to sacrifice in order to have a utopia and what does that mean to say about you and can you walk away from such a utopia knowing that for that utopia to exist there must be suffering yeah i just googled it i just that was very good paul that's pretty much what it says on the uh it's even our world like, yeah well yeah i mean we, we 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 can get deep into like how much does it reflect reality but i mean almost is supposed to be at least as far as i read it as an utopia except for this one thing but does mm. that so that sounds cool what that sounds really cool and it, Ursula. It, it, it is a i mean it, and it's just like the cold equations it's a story you can talk about endlessly really yeah oh yes so i'll sell you on the cold equations okay okay um, it's the opposite of Squeakor. <laughs> I don't know. Um, basically, it, it, what what happened was there was this guy who's not a very good writer called Tom Godwin, and he was writing for John W. Campbell, and John W. Campbell kept hammering at him to fix the ending, shape it to the way John W. Campbell wanted. And the idea there is um, there are just some facts about reality that you have to accept, and they are that uh, if you – there are these math equations, right? If you have X mm-hmm. amount of fuel and you have X amount of mass, X amount of fuel won't get you to X amount of space without whatever. But it's made personal by uh, having a girl stow away on a spaceship. Um, and when the, she's discovered, this leads to the realization that um. everybody will die and this this vaccine or whatever it is – uh, won't get be delivered, um, and therefore she has to go out the airlock. Oh, I think I've read this. It's very oh. famous. It's not a good, well-written story, but it's a very important story because it makes people triggered. It's They're so triggered about it, Tom Godwin even wrote his own version of it, which is called The Nothing Equation, which is also a, a public domain one, even though the original isn't. And And so many people have written responses to it, and there's actually a recent... I believe it Netflix or was it Prime adaptation? No, no, it was Netflix, Stowaway. Yeah, and I've not I, seen I, that. I watched it. Well, how I, was I watched it? it. Um, bad is what I heard. No, it's not bad. Oh, okay. No, it's it's actually solid. I mean, it it kind of goes at the problem a different way, but you know, I I enjoyed it and I have intend to watch it again oh, okay. for this episode. There's a Twilight Zone episode, I think, from the '80s, or maybe yes. it's a is it no, Twilight Zone or is that Outer Limits? It's a Twilight Zone from the 80s. Okay, and that's an excellent adaptation with good actors, and it's nice and short, and skips a lot of the uh, very bad writing that Tom... I mean, it's not bad, it's just not... not the, No sparkles at all. No sparkles. That's a good way of putting it. It's like hmm. just like a guy who's forced to hammer and saw and make a greenhouse with uh, tools on hand, and he ain't a good tool, he ain't a good tool user. Um... So that's a double show on the twentieth. Tentatively, tentatively on the twentieth. Okay, yeah. I'm in. Good. Okay, All right. I'll put you on the Thank schedule. Um, it's not on Netflix in in Taiwan. <laughs> oh, that's a okay. way. Uh, is it was it on Netflix or was it a uh, uh, Prime? It says it was released by Netflix and okay. Amazon Prime yep. in Canada. Ah, uh, Stowaway. Twenty twenty one movie. Is that right? 2021. Yeah, there it is. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's Netflix and Amazon Prime according to uh, the website. Yeah, so. It depends on what country is. Uh, yeah. So. yeah, it's a country thing. So um, we'll get a copy to you if you want it, Evan. I will 
pirated if it's um, no other way to get it to you. That's okay. I probably don't need to watch it. Uh, it's got 5.6 on IMDb, which is not very high. <clears throat> but um, uh, Rotten yeah, Tomatoes that gives it. Dig into my Hell's Kitchen watching time. Hell's is that a <laughs> TV show? Oh, I like that show. <laughs> is that the one with Guy Fieri? The, no, just, no, that's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. It's okay. just not a reality show where they knock off people every week. They knock off people? Watch it. Oh, like... Um, it's they like, rub them out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to gather. Wow. Shovel them. They shovel them through? I mean, from my perspective as a viewer, they're basically dead, so... Continue with it's that. It's Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, Gordon Ramsay. Oh, yeah. I like his... Young um, chefs. Yeah. I, I like everything he's in. Separating the wheat from the chaff. That's what he does every week. That's, well, that's you watch so much TV, it's unbelievable. I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, it comes in spurts, but, like, I like... what well, The show I really like... Um, oh, but with Gordon Ramsay is Kitchen Nightmares, where he, like, will go to a restaurant that's, like, fucked up and, like, try to help yeah. them fix it. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> I didn't know I, Evan I, was a... Was a uh, I, like TV. I, I really like like Jerry Springer. I, I like. <laughs> well, is he still on? <laughs> I don't know if they make like, new ones. I think. Like in syndication, you can still find the old ones. Okay. Yeah, and that's hilarious. That's actually syndicated like that. That you could find old episodes. It's of. It's, it's it's pretty brilliant. Like, and, and I love how he like bookmarks his episodes with like these moral lessons yeah yeah this, the best part of it about it it's like he actually gives his final talk at the end where he's like you know you you if 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 you don't love your partner anymore you should really just break up with them and move on <laughs> have Don't a great one them. trent thank you so much goodbye trent. all right see ya later um yeah, I I the, can't the, say the I've seen it since participation the eighties or whatever. Yeah, you know, I, I love that aspect of it. It, it must be cheap to produce. <laughs> I guess it that is a pretty sure it was. All all of those reality shows were sort of a response to the, you know, cost saving measures, but it's really uh, lasted. I didn't think reality shows were going to be as enduring. I guess they really are. Yeah, neither did I. Um, and I think they're, the genre is even on like Netflix and stuff. They have like a category for that stuff, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. There's like some great ones on there that are I, like totally psycho. I I've I try not to do the death doom scrolling on uh, Netflix anymore. You know, like you get on there looking for something to watch. I try not to do that. Because it's, I find it very annoying. Because I'm like, not for me, not for me, not. <laughs> I did that for like 45 minutes. I'm like, well, I just wasted a whole <laughs> bunch of time. Um, I probably skip midnight mass when you're doing that, and that was the wrong thing to skip. Uh, yeah, you keep saying because about that's it. the great. That's the greatest show probably in the last three or four years. I, that, I that's an interesting take. Yeah, it's it's. I watched. I don't know it. why that's interesting take. It's an amazing show. <laughs> Really speaks to Evan clearly. Oh yeah, did, did didn't you jump into my response? Yeah, I was kind of annoyed Bursic that people. Asking, yeah, like, like I, I couldn't believe someone watched the first episode or two couple episodes and wasn't like, how do you like the first scene, the first second of that show draws you in? What's it about? 
It's it's a it's just a vampire show at the end of the oh, day. It's, okay. it's about isolated island community experiences miraculous events and frightening omens after the arrival of a charismatic, mysterious young priest. Yeah, that doesn't really describe. It's about yeah, it uh, but it's, uh, what's interesting is the main character is a guy who's like killed someone in a drunk driving accident, yeah. and he's like living with that. So, like, you know, it's like this guy comes back to his hometown after getting out of jail and is like, you know, it's it's it is a good show. I just um, now that I'm talking about it, I think I'm with you, Evan. Let's yeah. uh, let's make everybody watch it. People should watch it. And that, I, I, I was kind of in disbelief. That time, oh, that's like that's why I jumped in. I was disbelief in disbelief. I, I believe people who haven't started watching it. Say, I, I haven't seen it. So I like can't. like Jesse here, but someone who watched the first couple episodes and wasn't drawn in, it's like What's that really again? confused me. Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass. And it's on yep. Netflix, right? Yeah. Yep. There you go. I I watched uh, the guy who made this is the director. He directed Doctor Sleep. He directed he he actually some of the better Stephen King adaptations. And uh, he did did he do Haunting of Hill House? Yes, Haunting Hill House that. was him. I heard that that has a bad ending. I, I, I didn't watch that one though. Me neither. I thought I, I thought it was really scary. I started watching one called Made, which is also showing up on here, and I thought that was pretty good. But I also felt like I oh, Gerald's quite... Game was his. Gerald's Game, which that's is another really Netflix another, one, I think. That's another Stephen King adaptation. That's the thing. Like Midnight Mass also is like a really good Stephen King story, even though it's not based on a Stephen King book. Mm. You get Stephen King in a way. That a lot of people who adapt them don't. Hmm. Well, let's have a look at the schedule, see if uh, uh, we can make sure everybody's up to speed. So, um, Misa, we are doing uh, an Ursula K. Le Guin called The Dispossessed, um, which I've never read, but people say it's one of her best, um, on the February 13th. So that's two weeks from now. Mm. The Doomed City by Arkady and Boris Sturgatsky. And I have not read that, but it's Russian. So it has that going for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's supposed to be a classic. Uh, The Door into Summer, which you have not signed up for, even though it's a Heinlein book. Oh, is it? And and there's a Japanese adaptation. Is it a juvenile? No. Paul? What's that? The door into summer. It's not a juvenile. Um. Yes, it is. It is. I don't. Yeah. Think. It oh, yeah. Is. Absolutely. Really. Oh yeah. Is there a juvenile character in it? Apparently. Yeah. So what day is that? That is twenty seventh of February. And there's 27th. a and there's a Netflix adaptation of it uh, from Japan. Yeah. And uh, my mom started using the phrase um, uh, The Door into Summer over and over again. Okay, Okay. I think I was conflating two books. He's young, but he's not a juvenile. So not – now if it was written – now rant slash rant, if it was written by a woman today, it would be labeled as YA. If it was written by a woman. Today, it would be a woman. If Heinlein had been a woman, then it would be a juvenile? No, 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 no. This is a whole different podcast, but there there is a tendency today to label 
any science fiction or fantasy written by women as YA, regardless of whether or not they're, it what? really is. Yes, a lot of my, a lot of my. So uh, Ursula Le Guin is is YA now. I guess she did well, write some uh, YA. No, but... well, she, she wrote some. Yeah, yeah, she did yeah, write but, some. But but, but 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 like for example, like uh, my like Rebecca Kwong's Poppy War is labeled as YA, and it's like because as a, a young protagonist, he's like. Did you read the book? It is not. I read it. Life. I read it, Paul. It's Y-ish. No, it, it is not. Y-ish. No, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Y-A. I don't yeah. know how to describe it. I have to read the second book, but I've had a hard time convincing myself to read the second book, even though I have it. <laughs> I bought it. What, what makes something Y-A? It was interesting, I'm, but... I don't know. Maybe my sensors are off because I'm. I read a lot of old stuff. But young adult fiction, age twelve to eighteen. Uh, here's the definition. While the genre is targeted at adolescents, yeah, I don't think it's. I think that's about right for that book. The subject matter of the genres of YA correlate with the age and experience of the protagonist. The genres available in YA are expansive and include most of those found in adult fiction, uh, and but. Common themes in Y include friendship, Y include friendship, first love, relationships, and identity. Stories that well, focus on yeah. stories that yeah, focus on specific challenges of youth are sometimes referred to as problem novels or coming of age novels. I think the the idea of friendship, first love, relationships, and identity. So Cory Doctorow's uh, novel uh, was was the dystopian United States novel called. Uh, it's like a shit. I can't remember. The oh, title. little brother. Little brother. That's a YA yeah. book. Yeah, that's that's definitely YA. No question. Uh, because it has relationships, uh, first love, identity, friendship, sort of stuff, uh, but also has a uh, an axe to grind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it definitely has a political point. But you're saying it's uh, if it's written by women, it's YA. But what well, about no, but what about there, 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 there's a tendency? No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there are people who are, who are labeling anything written by women as YA, whether whether or not they are or not. Nice. I'm looking forward to your YA uh, audio drama coming up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it no, is no. Not a YA, Jesse. I, I can't dispute. At all, it's it's more of the Y <laughs> than the A, and the A is E H question mark. Why? Why? That's 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 young Canadian drama. Why? Yes, I guess. Y C A. The Outsiders is considered Y A, and I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. It's about a bunch of a wrinkle in time. Wow. I don't remember that being YA. But... That's more almost like more middle grade than oh. YA. Yeah, I was seven years. I was in grade seven or six when I liked that book. Yeah, uh, that, that, that 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 that's higher middle grade, m- middle grade. But but there are there are regular adult novels written by women, and you look in Goodreads, and they get labeled as YA, or reviewers talk about them as their YA, and my my writer friends go like, "This is are you mad?" But if a reader reads them and yeah, like if a young I wanna, reader reads I, them I, I, and I, I, is drawn to them and sees them as a young 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 adult novel, <laughs> I don't I, see I, why that's a problem. I, 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 what about uh, that, 
but, but like my my daughter is really getting into the Dark Tower right now, which is making me really really happy. It's but, not it's not YA, is it? But I I, but I mean, is the, that YA because it like speaks the, to her in some ways? No, I mean the whole the whole thing it the whole labeling uh, women science fiction writers work as YA is a way to diminish it. And so, like, so you're saying we, YA is bad? No, I'm not saying it's no, it, or diminished. So, 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 it's lower are, than other no, no, adult no, novels. Absolutely not. Quite to the contrary. <laughs> but the tendency to label women's sci- women science fiction writers' work as YA is a way to diminish to to dismin- diminish it because it's seen as not real science fiction. So it's okay. I, it's, I don't know about this. This criticism, I just think the example you gave is borderline. What about Lord of the Flies? Well, well, is the, that the, YA? The, 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 the author herself <laughs> middle grade. Her work is not YA. I mean, is the author wrong then? I don't know. That, 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 that's a yeah, I mean, uh, Margaret Atwood says she doesn't write she science fiction, right? So whatever the author says, sometimes you have to say no. Um, huh. I Look. I totally respect Rebecca Guang, but... Her, the first volume of Poppy War is. I mean, I mean, I mean, borderline young, young adult. It's not bad. I liked it, but it's 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 rather dark. And wow, goes to places. So it's grim, it's dark, dark fantasy. It's not that dark. <laughs> it, it, no, it's definitely it's definitely dark fantasy. I mean, it's basically set in a alternate version of the Japanese invasion of China. So yeah. Bad things happen. The Hunger Games is pretty dark. Yeah, though. the Hunger Games is pretty yeah. dark. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I was gonna say. But, There's nothing but, but, I read there that I I think is. But I've got to go. I mean, it's not that dark. Oh, no, Have a good oh, one, Paul. Well, actually, actually, There's no, it's not actually, actually, game is canceled. Oh, so no. Oh no. Oh, oh no. That the, sucks. The, the, the GM says I will not. I have a lot of stuff to do. I will not be there today. So no GM, no game. No game. Grimdark, it says. It's Grimdark on the Wikipedia entry for it. I, I, I don't know what Grimdark is. I don't know what it is, but I know what I see. Grimdark, it's Grimdark. <laughs> That's weird. Um, I don't think I've ever I, read I, a Grimdark. You done, Misa? I, I do have to go, but I, w- I think I would like to do A Door Into Summer. Good. Adding you to the list. Okay. Uh, this was fun. I mean, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. So, yeah. thanks. Thanks I, for giving me an opportunity to Thank play you. in the West Lake. Oh, <laughs> it's the best swimming. Nice and warm. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good one. Bye-bye. See you on Twitter. Okay, bye. Bye. Uh, don't don't spill your tea. <laughs> I, I won't. Not in to... your hearing, I won't. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, you turn on the fan in the bathroom while you're spilling your tea. <laughs> I'm confused. Well, I need to hear more about this phrase. When 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 oh, when you walk down the street and so you hear somebody at the cafe say, "Let me spill the tea for you." What do they say? They then they tell you like what's um they they give you the hot goss, you know. The hot goss. Okay. You got all I the mean, phrases. Heard, I mean I mean you're familiar with the phrase spill the beans, right? Yeah, spill the beans I've heard. I never okay. heard spill the tea. There's a lot of things yeah. being spilled. Well, I, I want to go back to the to the Poppy War for a second. Okay. If, if I tell you, if I want to talk to people who didn't read the Poppy War, like Jesse, mm-hmm. Will, I don't think you read it. No, if I no. tell you, there's a novel about a young orphan character who, through her t- 
talent and, and effort gets into a school and spends about half of the novel oh, no. at this school and then learns certain skills and then, you know, learns she has some special ability and then uses those abilities to, <laughs> to help her group. You know, That's a YA let's, book. Let's, let's, you know, Maybe it's called Gryffindorf. I don't know. Gryffindorf. Helps her group, you know, defeat an enemy. <laughs> does that sound young adultish? Yes, it does. And th- and that's the poppy war. It's a grimdark YA. There's just there's just a massacre and in, 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 uh, an invading army massacres and rapes a, a community. Which does parallel the Sino-Japanese War. Mm-hmm. But... It's. I don't think that's enough. Is, is it need a sequel? Is that is that why there's a sequel? I haven't read the sequels yet. But you've I mean, read I, the I, first I, book. I've, I've read the sequels. Need a sequel. It doesn't need a sequel. I don't think it needs a sequel, but it's looks big. They exist. It, 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 yeah, it's the chunky books. Chunky. I, I kind of want to skip to her new book, Babel. Oh, oh, I definitely, oh, I definitely want to read Babel. I I don't want to. I don't want to read the the sequels. <laughs> um. I mean, Dragon Republic continues. We learn more stuff about the background of the magic. We get more war. Yeah. We get we we get her trying Holy to basically shit. Like, twenty hours. Yeah, I, it's it's. I it's said chunky. Did I lie? Uh, no, no, but I see, didn't. that makes it less YA. YAs are short, <laughs> right? No, they're not all short. Some not not all short, but their thick. standard shortness is like five six hours. I mean, it's funny. I, I, I. That's I'm why I say it's, it's borderline. I'm, I guess I'm, I, I'm I searching think... YA on, YA the popular on Twitter, and there it's like, I mean, Rebecca and some authors, a lot of authors saying no, it's not, and there are people saying yes, it is. It, it, it it's a mess. Wow, look at the reviews on uh, Audible. Somebody says ninety percent internal drama. And then there's really positive ones. One was Ugh. Maybe. Voyeuristic tragedy porn mushed awkwardly together with derivative YA. If you want to read about the rape of Nanjing, buy a history book. Wow. There's some criticism. I mean, the the rape of Nanjing stuff is like one scene in that book. Oh, really? Yeah. Whiniest character. Wow, really divisive reviews here. I don't think it's either because it's... Because I think she's drawing from Nazi drawing from the 1930s invasion of, of China. She's drawing from like the turn of the turn of the 20th century invasion. So I think, or she might be mixing some elements. There. I'm not. She's, sure she's mixing a lot. I, I I think like like the fact that the care. I mean, um, I always enjoyed the fact that her the main character is kind of this like orphan Taiwanese. It's like this, but the Taiwanese have been wiped out in this world, but. You know, really, they, they sort of exist as magical beings with some kind of special abilities, and she's one of them. So yep. it's kind of like the Taiwanese are sort of like the saviors in a weird way. Saviors of China. I don't know if she's doing that on purpose, but there's it is an island off the coast of this empire. I, I, it's I supposed to be I, a China. I, I think she's doing it on purpose. I'm really sure. Yeah. Hmm. It, Hey, stop playing with your chips, it. whoever's playing with their chips. Oh, we're, I not, we're, we're not recording, recording anymore. I still want to hear, and not your chips. <laughs> I, am, I, I was crushing a water bottle. Oh, is that what oh. it was? Okay. I, I always assume it's chips. I wish I, I wish I had some chips. That would be pretty don't good. 
I I've watched the last season of I assume it's the last season of a show called Afterlife, the Ricky Gervais show, uh, Netflix show. You guys seen this? No. He makes kind of weird shows. Like he he had one. The previous series was set in a nursing home, um, and it was kind of interesting. And this one's kind of like that one. It's except the uh, Ricky Gervais character is a widower, and he's sort of upset about his his wife being dead. Suicidal, and it's just like it's sort of like a sitcom, but not really. Where he lives in a small town, and they go and interview people, and it's very like soft. And then the last episode of the latest season, I'm like, oh, I think it's done because they did like some weird fading things, and they sort of wrapped some stuff up. But uh, I thought it was um, it's it's very different from other TV shows. It's very, um, like, I, I never got, I never liked The Office, the original. I I, I don't work in offices, so I, I guess I didn't really grok why it was so cool or whatever. But uh, I like most of his shows. This one's, I, I like that he wrapped it up. Nobody's seen this show? No, no I haven't heard of it. it no, I, I think I've seen it advertised. Yeah, it's, it, it's like, it's very, like, understated. And, uh, like, so that show Made, which, uh, M-A-I-D, um, it's about a girl working as a maid. She's got a kid and it's based on a, like a real true story of some girl who was a maid. <laughs> and it's like, it was a novel and it was I like, this is very powerful and gripping and all that stuff. But it's like, almost like too intense to care about because it's stressful. <laughs> Whereas this other one is like, oh, this is kind of like calm. It's kind of, you know, like that other show, the Netflix, uh, Emily in Paris is just light and fluffy. I just think it's really interesting There, you could have like a, a calm show, even though it's like dealing with like sort of dark sadness and that thing. I, it's interesting. There's a lot of variety available. I think the problem is, is there's not enough, um, enough uh reviews that you can trust right so evan goes on and on about the show called uh midnight mass i'm like oh okay well that sounds good sounds kind of (laughs) dark i don't know if i'm up for that Um, oh yeah it's it's pretty dark but um like you know the human spirit is beautiful in it okay i think so that's a good way to put it well and uh and how does it it pay it's it, such a wonderful like it's like a, he totally reworks like the whole vampire genre but also like Salem's Lot he like does Salem's Lot better than Salem's Lot wow. was like, like he does a better job of it I think here because it's a very similar setting it's a vampire invasion of a very small town oh, that sounds good like it's a small island community, like a like yeah. a fishing community in like Maine or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think maybe the difference is like Flanagan here seems to have some sympathy for this community and the people and the characters. While King had like when he wrote Salem's Lot, there's this like disgust of small town New England mm-hmm. that you don't have in Midnight Mass, which makes it a lot more beautiful, I think. Well, now I'm going to have to check it out because even though I'm not really in the mood for some heavy shit, <laughs> um, 
maybe I save that for the summer. I'm not, maybe that's how I regulate my moods. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I, I like heavy shit, just not right now for some reason. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been jumpier about things lately. Yeah. I, um, been like, like stuff with like mild violence in it is more upsetting to me than it like usually is right now for some I, reason. Like in the book we just mm. read? <laughs> um, even there, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's kind of strange. Um, like I've been trying to watch, um, this show on HBO Max, Peacemaker, mm. which is like a really funny show, but the like, it's also like, um, um, Oh, it's a, a superhero. It's a show. superhero. It's a superhero show about like a like a guy who likes to shoot people. Um, and there's like there was like it's the same know, peacemaker in that Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, it's the same peacemaker. It's a spinoff of that movie. Um, uh, he's like on his own in like a small town in the Midwest as part of like this group, and then uh, you know his dad is this like racist supervillain and he's like friends with this other like vigilante called vigilante who's like like a weird mm. suck up um um Looks it's good. got yeah no it, i mean it's pretty funny he has a pet eagle like it's really everything is played for laughs but there was like a there's like a torture scene john cena and, that's a, yeah, a superhero a that speaks chinese uh, right did you see his apology yeah. to China? That was crazy. Yeah. What did he? What did he do to China? Uh, he, 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 he. Okay, I can. I know this story because he okay. was promoting Fast and the Furious. Was it? What about? Yeah, that sounds right. I think it was promoting Fast and the Furious, and he said like, "Oh, Taiwan's the first because it was released in Taiwan before anywhere else in Asia." And he said Taiwan's the first country that it was released in Asia, and I'm so fucked up by saying country. Yeah, and and then the Chinese internet flipped out about this. And you know how the, they get about this kind of thing. How dare he? And then he had to, <laughs> and then he had to apologize, saying, "Oh, I'm so sorry." He didn't say specifically why he was sorry. He just said he was sorry. Yeah, to I, offend them. Or whatever. But, yeah, but he was said long it in Chinese. It was all Chinese, and it was long. Yeah, he he his Chinese isn't great, but. I mean, he was able to. The like, fact that Ameri- an thing. American is apologizing to, you know, a very famous American is apologizing in Chinese to the Chinese, it's like some sort mm-hmm. of turning point, right? You say, uh oh, the lingua franca isn't franca anymore. Yeah. <laughs> this is a franca discussion. No, franca discussion, no. It, yeah, it was pretty gross. What are they? I think they even call him like China's, like John China or some. They got some weird name from Beijing oh. Cena or something like this. Wow. I didn't watch those uh, Suicide Squad movies. I heard the there was two of them, right? There's no, two. Yeah, the I second one was pretty good. Yeah, I didn't see the good. first one, but I liked the second one a lot. All right. Oh. I think yeah. it was like supposed to be like a soft reboot. Yeah, the yeah, James yeah. Gunn one was was pretty was pretty fun. James yeah, Starro, the, that's the one, Starro, one who got right? in trouble, yeah, canceled, yeah. and now he's back. Yeah. yeah, he did the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. This is like a James Gunn movie that happens to be in like a oh, that Superman good. movie or something in the so Superman what's the, universe. What's the title difference between the two Suicide Squads? I think this one's the Suicide Squad. Okay, so the first one's just Suicide Squad, and the second one is the yeah. Suicide. Okay. <laughs> that's why i was confused you know yeah i think only like 
Bargo Roby is the only carryover. Uh, actress? Everything else has been reboot. Okay. Yeah, yeah. the actress and character. Okay. Yeah, the Harley Quinn. Um, yeah, I don't really follow DC heroes enough to know who any... Like, I, I know Harley Quinn because she is popular as a figure to draw, but I do not know... But she's sort of Batman sidekick villain. Yeah, so. I, I think she's like Joker's sidekick, maybe. Yeah, she's like Joker's sidekick. Joker's girlfriend or something. Yeah, Joker's ex-girlfriend. Right, and Joker's not in this new Suicide Squad, as I, thankfully. No. I, hate it. I, I, hate I, I did watch the first one. I did watch hate the, it, the movie The Joker. I thought it was terrific. That's that's different. The, the Joker in the in Suicide Yeah. If I've had to pick one, yeah. If oh you God. could do, if they give you the budget and the money, and they say pick whoever you want to write it, star in it, whatever. Who would you uh, pick as a Marvel character to have a show about? Oh God, um, let me think this for a second. Oh yeah, God, this I'll, just... Will you got one? Marvel character that I would want for a show? Yeah. Um, let's see. Like, I, I guess you I could do a be... team, but you don't really like. Uh, you know, you can do whatever you like. Let me let me think about this for a second. Sure. Um, Paul, do you have your answer? Yeah, um, I, 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 because she was already on a TV show. In fact, she started on a TV show long ago, so I imprinted on her. I'm going to go with Firestar. Firestar. Oh, from Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Right, and then, then she wound up in a comic, so she became official. But they haven't Firestar. done much with her since. I've it's like, hey... Her. Uh, who, 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 I don't recognize, oh, Marvel Comics, here we go. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, started on, on a TV show and became, Yes, wow. I, that's what we just said, that's Jesse. probably why I never recognized her as a character. I mean, I mean, she was invented for that cartoon. Interesting. Spider-Man and Iceman, it's like. I'm, I'm excited about, I'm excited about the She-Hulk show, but I need to come up with my own answer. Yeah, She-Hulk's uh, interesting, um. We'll see how that goes. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I mean, she, I mean, I mean yeah. I mean, she's she cool. I mean, yeah. How, how do you uh, walk the line between attorney and strong and comedy? There's, well, there's just a lot, lot of like, juggle. A lot of CGI too. Like, don't really want that. You know, I don't like CGI. Like, I, I think that's part of why the Hulk movies don't work. You know, they, well, they there's should. only the one, right? No, there's no, multiple they, Hulk movies. Oh, Hulk like the Hulk? old Hulk movies. Yeah, but they're still Marvel. They, <laughs> they, they just didn't, they, 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 didn't they, they, take off. The first one, there was the first one. It's the Hulk and then the Hulk. That Ang, that Ang Lee did. <laughs> yeah. And then there was the other one with the Edward Norton. There's three was different in. actors for the Hulk, right? Yeah, and, and, now, and now Mark Ruffalo's the Hulk. But Abomination shows up in Shang-Chi, which means that the Edward Norton movie is now canonical. Okay. So that, um, that I mean that that came out before Iron it Man. It was it, it's an okay movie. It's just you know there's something wrong but, with but, doing. But, but for a long time they kind of they kind of suggested it didn't really exist. But you know now it really is exi- exists as a real Marvel movie. All right, I'm, kinda... I'm ready to tell you who I think would make the best TV show because okay. it would be who? very much who? Uh, off off of uh... off the radar. Yeah, so it would be Dazzler. Oh yeah, Dazzler that would be rule. good. Dazzler that would be would awesome rule. because her powers are uh, whack, but she's got a weird kind of like it's so modern. Um, she was like, you know, they she's on roller skates and disco and singing and that stuff. She she shows up for like ten seconds in an X Men movie. Yeah, yeah. 
And that was disappointing. I was like, I know who that is, and you're not going to do anything. But she's an her. isolated right. mutant, right? So she isn't with the other mutants. She's got a whole pop career going. Um, but I mean, yeah, you, you she, her powers are with her trying to, yeah, juggling career and powers. it would be like so the ultimate role for an actor, you know, because it it's so um, it, her powers are really oh, limited. Look, you know, look here, 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 go, Jesse. Entourage with Dazzler at the same Yeah, it, it it would basically be that, but I would say way more serious, you know, like um like like the way I wanted to like that Jessica Jones series, I didn't like it. I wanted to like it. I never finished it. I think it's I It's not great. I don't it I there was it had a there wasn't enough like dramatic tension for hard, me. Hard um, drinking was just like ritual. It wasn't like justified. And the, it wasn't the actress, right? She was really good. It was not the actress. It was the writing. It just was not there. But, uh, oh, wow. I didn't know this. John Romita Jr. Uh, intended for the character resemble Grace Jones. Wow. But uh, oh, Jessica Jones? No, Grace Jones. The actress. Oh, 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 who's supposed to represent, oh, resemble Grace Dazzler. Jones? Dazzler. Dazzler? What? And then uh, it says, representatives for Filmworks wanting to promote model and actress Bo Derek insisted on design changes. Wow. That's crazy. Um, Yeah, so Dazzler was a terrific sort of side project to the X-Men that, uh, like, I was like, wow, this is really interesting because... She's got all the problems of a mutant, but she's isolated from the other mutants. And, uh, you know, having a... Instead of being, like, a mild-mannered person hiding their identity, she is already famous for something else. And she's, like... It's it's a really bad idea for a character, right? She's a light show at the concert. It's, like, it's a disco character, but really interesting what you could do with a very limited... Uh, uh, isolated character like that. That's why I think Moon Knight's going to be really cool because Moon Knight also very isolated. He's kind of like yeah, he doesn't connect with a lot of other no, uh, but he, stuff. he's he's a lot of like how the comics for uh, Black Panther were rather than the actual movie Black Panther. You know, it was yeah. like a very urban, very uh, uh, street, and yeah. yeah. And that that could have, you know, it would have been amazing if they had done it like uh, set Black Panther in in the late '60s, early '70s, right? That would have been crazy. But uh, it would that would work as a TV show, like the visual visuals for. And you know, the other thing is the way Dazzler sort of comes to an end is I think they did like a graphic novel, um, and so and I think they called the graphic novel. Dazzler the movie, which was oh. really interesting. It's very meta. Control F, see if I can find that. Yep. Yeah. So it said lasted 42 issues and then a uh, graphic novel titled Dazzler the movie, co starring Beast. Oh, yeah. And then she joined Excalibur. I don't think they're going to do that, uh, MCU. <laughs> Probably not. I really liked Excalibur, know. but the Britain's too fucked up right now for them to handle that somehow, I think. 
It might get like a Chinese Marvel. I don't know how that would how it would work. Anybody see that uh, Eternals movie that looked really bad? I did. I, I saw it. How was it? It was fine. Um, it was like, um, I, it was like like for a movie that was almost three hours long. Oh my god! I, yeah, yeah, I I don't know. Like, like a lot of there were. It somehow wasn't as epic as I wanted it to be for mm. like a three hour movie about ancient aliens, <laughs> like secretly <laughs> right. guiding the course of mankind. Well, now like, you know your answer to your your uh, who would you want to be a Marvel TV show? Anything ancient alien character. I yeah, I think that. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, there's probably some Jack Kirby property that mm. I would like to see as a TV New show. New gods. Yeah, but that's DC. Oh, you know? is that? That's okay. DC. Yeah, that doesn't know. count. Yeah, um, they they've done so much of Marvel already. I mean, what I really like are the X Men, so I really like but, that. I'm ho- that I'm, Dazzler I, I, idea. Yeah, I'm hoping X Men come into the MCU and they do them properly. Dazzler would be a great way in. Yeah, I'd like to see. I mean, her. I mean yeah, it would be kind of like a stealth way to get yeah the the mutants in because she's so isolated, as you said. But as far as Eternals, I think there's a good movie in that nearly three hours trying to be a movie, but it's uh, there's a lot of stuff that just does not did not work. There's too many me. actors for for it, 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 how many? It, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve main actors. Yeah. yeah, it that it, it it it's 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 less than the sum of its parts. There's some interesting characters. There's other characters like who cares, and it's very uneven. Mm. What about so Shang Chi? Fun to watch. Shang Chi is solid. Is I like it? that a lot. All right. Uh, yeah, that 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 that. Is that Fu Manchu? This is my question. Um, sort of. Good. So, uh, <laughs> his his dad is kind of Fu Manchu. Good. Yeah, like it, he's not Fu Manchu, but he. Is still like he's fooey. He's he's got he's got more intense magical powers than Fumanchu would. <laughs> he's got yeah, like his dad has like intense magical powers. All right. And, and, yeah. So does he? And then there's the sister and lots of fun stuff. Did you guys see the uh, actor who plays him? Uh, did a, a bunch of stock photos uh, before he became the Marvel guy. Yeah. I thought those were hilarious. I was just you see the Shang Chi guy like drinking coffee in front of a computer or something, and a bunch well, of people well, well, pointing well, at the screen. <laughs> okay, so so spoiler, Jesse, at the beginning, uh-huh. I mean, the, the movie beginning with this guy. I mean, Shang Chi is basically parking cars, and his best friend has no idea that he has this whole backstory till things go wrong. So he's a very ordinary guy at the beginning of the movie. So that makes perfect sense. Mm. And then and then then we find out. No, he's 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 got a badass history, and he drags his best friend, uh, played by Aquafina, into this whole backstory mess with his sister and his father and their dead mother and everything. So was Aquafina named after the uh, the bottled water? It's spelled differently. Aqu- I don't know. Aqua. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yep. So so yes. Yeah, so, so so seeing him in ordinary pictures is kind of like kind of like the start of Shang Chi. Uh, well, I'm I'm looking forward to Shang Chi now. You, you, I think I think the got fight some scenes room. in it are pretty cool. It, it's, it's got some pretty fight scenes. There's mm. a there's a fair amount of CGI near the end That's, of it. That, I don't like that. Yeah, so you might not like some of that, but the like it, it starts off really strong with like really cool fight scenes at the beginning, mm. and 
Um, Aquafina's really funny in it. And it brings it brings Ben Kingsley from Iron Man three back. Uh, I barely remember Iron Man three, but uh, yeah, I didn't cool. even see Iron Man three. I don't think it, it's pretty bad compared. Like the Iron Man movie, it, 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 it kind of redeems and makes sense of what Ben Kingsley was doing in that movie. So it kind of. Red- <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he was. That was sort of a. It had kind of a like a Fu Manchu thing going on, right? It? It, it, right, yes, that's right. And so, so this movie kind of interesting reorganizes and makes that make sense. Hmm. So, and and he's he's also very good at it. It's like I wonder. I thought, I thought you could only. I thought I could see him. Sorry, hmm. I'm I'm scoring. I'm stealing from the movie now. Morris Morris is adorable. Okay. Uh, but. Yeah, I sort of stopped watching all the. Mar- there was too many Marvel things to watch, and I sort of. I mean, I watched. Them. I I mean, I don't watch. I, I watched them socially. Although I did watch Eternals by myself because it was on Disney Plus, and I bought a subscription to that last year when I got out of the hospital. Mm. Um, Is it but, worth uh, your money? Not necessarily. Mm. I like. I what I really wanted was like a two month subscription to Disney Plus to watch The Mandalorian. Hmm. Or something like that. Um, and I bought like a year subscription, uh, which like I haven't really used up until re- pretty recently where I'm like, I'm seeing the end of the subscription. So I'm like, I should watch all these like hmm. Disney shows. Um, and so I've well, like, been watching watch. Boba Fett. I um I'm a few episodes behind, um, but uh, not, I like not upset to watch it. it. Okay. What? Not, not upset about being behind. I, um, I guess not. No. I, uh, I I I always try to like watch like several different shows at once because mm. it, it feels more like watching TV back in the old days. Mm. Um, so I've been watching um, Boba Fett, Peacemaker, The Witcher, um, and Loki all at the same time, mm. like very slowly, um, just kind of bouncing around between episodes. I spotted this, uh, like you know, if you go to the. MCU listings of all their millions of shows. Uh, there's one I never heard of called Hellstrom uh, that was on Hulu. And it's, oh yeah. Uh, so I'm like, it's it's got 6.8, which is not bad, right? Um, but it, I think it says it's like uh, it's based on uh, non superhero one. What's it called? Um, it's, he's about he's Satan's son, I think. Yeah, Adventure into Fear. Uh, so it's like a, yeah, so it's like, um, branching out a little bit from the superhero stuff, right? Because Marvel Depending isn't... on how they play it. Yeah, Marvel isn't only superheroes. It mostly superheroes, but they, you know, they had other stuff. It's just, that's, nobody cares about it. But I care about, like, the, you know, House of Mystery. I know that's DC and stuff, but there's equivalents, right? And uh, I guess what if is kind of a branch out, but uh, it's they focus on the superhero ones. Um, yeah, there's that famous um, issue where like Conan goes to the modern world yeah, or yeah, something. Great, great. Yep, it's greatly illustrated. Conan getting a cab and Conan sleeping with some lady. <laughs> Conan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you um? Did you read Savage Avengers? No, no, I did not. I cut, I cut my ties with. Uh, I, I read uh, Serpent War, which was I had Moon Knight I read in that. it. Yeah, 
Um, I think that's the only thing I've read with Moon Knight in it. Yeah, and he was good in that. A beautiful art. I don't remember anything about that comic. You remember the art anymore. was nice, right? Well, yeah, it was fine. You know, but like the art is usually nice in Marvel comics. I don't know. Sometimes it's not. I mean, that art is usually not the problem. It's usually writing. Wow. Wow, they have a lot of stuff still in production. I guess they have to feed that Disney channel, otherwise they won't get any subscribers. But Moon Knight's the only thing I can think of that I'm actually interested in. What about Hawkeye? Did you watch that? Oh, yeah, I liked that. I like um, the yeah, I liked a couple episodes of that, too. Yeah, I like the Paul? comics that... It, I like the Matt I watched Fraction a couple book. episodes of it. Only a couple? Okay. I, I mean, it's just so much. I just don't, I mean, it's like, I could many. be watching one of those episodes now, but here I am talking with you guys. Right, so it's like, right. it's just not a lot of time. Right. It's also, it's also very Christmassy. You like, you like miss the, like, the prime window to watch it. Um, mm. The, uh, but, like, the, the visuals, at least, are based on, like, this, like, Matt Fraction comic mm-hmm. that, like, Matt Fraction, David Aja did. Like a few years back, or it's probably more than a few years ago now. Yeah, it, it's definitely based on that one because we because we get the uh, Kate Bishop, yeah. And it's yeah, I really liked that um, kind of. I, I make a Kate Bishop fan, so that was cool. Um, well, that's but, um, something. Yeah, it was no. I liked that there was lots of like shooting with arrows and. Um, <laughs> What about yeah. Falcon oh. and the Winter Soldier? You guys watch that? Because I that one was way better than I thought it was going to be. I really? did not watch that one. Yeah, that one was way better than I thought that it was going to be. I thought it was like uh, I Two thought that was like really cool. Um, uh, it like it's like um, you know Captain America stuff is always like inherently silly. Like the idea of Captain America is just like you like it's like awful mm. or something. Uh, but it did it really well, hmm. and um, uh, you know they like. I like there were moments of it where I was just like, "Oh my god, I can't believe they're doing the stuff that they're doing in in that." Where, but this is not like, based on a comic, right? This is all no, no movie yeah, it's, inspired. It's all it's all movie inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was, but it was it was pretty cool. I mean, the costume that the Falcon ends up wearing is like from the comics, but. Okay. Um, no, I'm more like, you know, w- recreate that. So I didn't realize why Thor Ragnarok was so awesome is because it was from the comic. I found that out after. Well, like, it steals from a couple of comics. Yeah, but that's the thing. One. is Stealing yeah. from comics is like, this really worked. And comics, unlike, yeah. you know, novels, are very good at showing things visually, right? Yes. Um, and so, you know, the word balloons versus the, yeah. What's this? Oh, it's just a recording. Okay, thank you, sir. Yeah, I I I, I forgot I forgot to actually stop that recording. Oh no so worries. It's recording all this time. So if you want the you want it, you can get it. All right. I think I think I'm good. I I will check the file at the end. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. Uh, my mom was saying this last week. She was saying, I quit COVID. <laughs> when people are saying you know all the stuff of um. Uh, you know, uh, it's kind of cold to have coffee outside, and, and listen, you can come in. I quit COVID. So I she quit said, COVID. Yeah, because you know she she uh, 
had a really bad reaction to her second vaccine in in the ho- in the hospital. She was there for like a month afterwards, and then um, after Christmas, I probably got uh, Omicron or whatever, and she probably got it because we were both sick. Um, and I went to go get tested, and uh, it was like the, you couldn't get in, and and then they it was really snowy, and uh, couldn't get an appointment. Whatever. So I'm like, yeah, I, I, <laughs> but I, I like that she's she's saying I quit. So when she quits, right, uh, Will, six months ago, you were asking if my mom was a shit lib. She's not a shit lib. She's, she's very hard to talk to about stuff um, because she's really smart and she argues with me. <laughs> so I try not to have arguments with her. Because um, you might she, lose. No, because uh, forcing her to face truths um, is very difficult. She, she's she's tough. She's a tough lady. She's very smart. I, I a lot of my um, the way I am is because of uh, having to deal with her. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I'm not I'm not moving to California. <laughs> but um what I what I can say is when she I she's, think she could still get you there. Like it's like when it's she's like done, like she she's very into politics and I hear all the meetings, you know, uh, not all of them, a lot of the meetings she's on um and they do that uh they they do all sorts of stuff that's absolutely <clears throat> wasteful and ridiculous. Um and uh, she tolerates it, but once she reaches her breaking point with toleration of stuff she shouldn't have been tolerating in the first place, um, she usually just like does that. What she, what she was saying, I quit COVID. When she's ready to quit COVID, it's basically it, that's that's a like a windsock. Like it's coming, <laughs> it's coming, buds. Where there's end in sight, because. Every, everybody will not do this for the next 15 years. I remember asking, like in 2020 in some podcast, will we still be wearing masks in 10 years, right? And we were making predictions about that. So I, we'll find out. But I'm pretty sure, like, it's not going to be uh, around after this summer. I think it's going to be gone by the summer. It's going to end, like, as soon as the sun it- comes out. It de- it depends on whether or not we get another variant, or if we can tamp things down. Apparently, that, apparently there are already is another variant, yet another one. Yeah, but but yeah, but the question is, will will I'll compete Omicron and yeah, just reinfect everybody or it's not? It's just That's another cold. It's just a, another cold. And yeah, we, yeah I, exactly. No. Well, that's the thing, right? At some point, it is just another cold. Otherwise, you're living like this for the rest of your existence. Because the Spanish flu didn't last this long, did it? Nope. Oh, two years, I believe. Uh, well, nineteen eighteen. Uh, I believe it went into nineteen twenty. Really? I have to look about. Oh, yeah, I'd be interested in that. Um, we're definitely seeing uh, a change, and uh, so I don't know. Um, how... February nineteen eighteen to uh, April nineteen twenty. So two years and two months. Uh, how long have we been on this? Um, we started in about January twenty twenty. So we have been two years. 
Oh yeah, coming up this yeah because yeah, we uh, we're coming up on two years. I was hearing stuff about it in January. We I don't think we were fully masked up until but, but, beginning but, of February. You're right. But 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 the Spanish flu, the first break, umbreak was unknown. It was basically considered a pandemic February 19, 8, 1918. So that's probably it was probably around in the end end of twenty seventeen. So think two and a half years then. So two and a half years for this one, if you're counting from January, would be. End summer. of summer this year. Yeah, but if, uh, if but if it's tra- if it's tra- but the timeline, right? So people, uh, you know, are going to stop putting up with. I mean, that's what the whole trucker thing is going on about. You guys getting into that news down there? I I, I heard about the truckers in Ottawa. Yes. Yeah, but I also heard that some. Spreading. I also heard some of the truckers had swastika. Oh yeah, they're really pushing that story. Other craps like. I want to talk go. to Will about that a little bit because I think it's hilarious. Um. But uh, the, uh, the Australians are apparently putting together some drive to Canberra thing, and there was another country too. But uh, the I think the yellow vest precedes um, COVID. Am I wrong? Does anybody know in France? Yeah, that's yeah, that's an old thing. Well, it's not that old. It's last couple of years, right? But it I, I mean, bo- it's pre-COVID. It's like way pre-COVID. Yeah. When you say way, it makes me think five years ago, but I don't think it is. Yellow vests. I think it may have been like five years ago. Really? Okay, I'm looking. Yeah. 2018, holy shit. December 29th, 2018. Look at that. Yeah, November 17th, yeah. Well, interesting. Okay, anyways. Um, uh, so, a will. Um, they're all... Um, there was like an MP tweeting uh about <laughs> the before the trucker thing became a huge story um there was an MP, uh, ndp mp holding up a sign that says we i stand with ukraine um and I, apparently other people are doing it too but it's uh you know she's not in the government she's the uh opposition or whatever um and now but she's still like pro nato <laughs> it, it, uh, most important thing is i stand with ukraine is uh, we need to send weapons to new Ukraine and get in? Yeah, I'm going to say like right? NDP doesn't mean I'm against NATO. Clearly not. That's my point. But uh, there's tons of NDP MPs um, tweeting about how bad the Nazis are, and they're like going on and on and about Nazis, Nazis, Nazis. I didn't hear us saying anything about that when the Ukraine thing was happening a minute ago. Right? Literally, guys with. <laughs> SS tattoos and death's heads are getting this funding, right? And in Canada, there was a whole scandal last year about, and, you know, the deputy prime minister's grandpa uh, was, you know, a Ukrainian Nazi. And, like, they're all against the Nazis. (laughs) But funding foreign Nazis is okay. Like, well, okay. So, um... That self-criticism thing, my mom's not really good at drilling down until she's just had enough. She tolerates it a lot a lot better than I do. That's one of the differences between us. But she does break, right? She's like, that's enough. And that, I thought that was really interesting. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. And they're really pushing um, how bad these truckers are. And like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some real asshole truckers. Because there's a lot of people involved, and there's a lot of assholes. <laughs> and Alberta is not well known for its uh, p- 
polite people. It's the, considered the Texas of Canada, right? So the fact that the, they're saying this truck has a uh, Confederate flag and there's a Canadian flag also flowing from the back of this truck. Somebody takes from a cafe in Toronto or whatever. And mm-hmm. and then an NDP MP, MLA or it's a MP says something like, um, this flag is terrible, blah, 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 associated with blah, blah, blah. I'm like, which flag are you talking about, bud? <laughs> because, it's both. Right? It's both, actually. Exactly. Both symbols of white supremacy. Um, <laughs> well, they're uh, both symbols of, you know, oppressing natives for sure. And, and Yeah, that's uh, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're both like, bad. Like, for yeah. sure. And so um, it, there is a kind of uh, um, – the uh, and what's funny is you see uh, when I see the communist tweets, uh, Communist Party of Canada tweets, they're like very um, – like how can you disagree with that? It's just stating facts, right? <laughs> so I, I'm, uh, I'm uh, very interested in, in what's going on right now. It's very interesting in – Canadian politics. I, I have not watched the news. I've only been seeing it on Twitter. But uh, there are a lot of people saying Justin's hiding somewhere. I'm like, okay, well, that's probably true. Um, because they're coming to Ottawa and and uh, makes sense, right? But it's bad news for uh, for his, his government. I don't think it'll affect Ukraine at all, which is cl- crazy hilarious, right? And and then did uh, did you see the retweet? There was a CBC. I couldn't believe that. I'm like I, this. I want to drill down, and make sure it's true. But um, it was a CBC clip uh, saying that the trucker truckers in Canada are caused by the Russians. I'm like this can't be. <laughs> this is like so fucking head up your ass. Like you think a whole bunch of Albertans. <laughs> are mad because the Russians are imposing vaccine mandates on them. I don't think so. I don't think it's the Russians. I think it's Ottawa, right? So, as as crazy-ass stuff going on right now. I, I, I'm hopeful that uh, things can't be crazier. And maybe we're... Oh, we're uh, yeah, we'll, well, flattening we'll the curve. No, not flattening her. Peaking the crescent? I don't know. Something. Uh, spilling the tea. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, I'm just like, I would just like there to be less cases right now. Um, it's like, because it's like more crazy. Well, I don't know what you it, mean, like, deaths, I don't know what not it, cases. Yeah, well, I mean both hospitalizations, um, right? Yeah, hospitalizations. Yeah, I think the, is like the, the big problem thing. we have. Exactly. I don't know what you have. You have the hospitalization problem in Canada. Yeah, um, we do too. But uh, there was a really great story somebody pointed out. Um, the number of beds. Uh, hospital beds, critical care beds in the 70s versus today. And like Canada, we sort of just trudge along at the base minimum. So the flattening the curve thing like at the beginning is like, oh, geez. But we haven't built any new hospitals. And same in states, right? They're not building new hospitals. It's all like old infrastructure. So they can hire more people, but the beds are the problem right yeah you can like cram more people in the hallways but it's the space that's the problem so uh yeah i'm not sure what the current numbers are but it's not um it's not like uh everybody's dying 
a lot of people have gotten COVID. Like some people, have, like my mom was talking down the phone with somebody's cousin, double vaccinated, boosted a second, t- second time they got COVID. And they talk about it being, oh, it's, it's like this and it's like that. And it's like, yeah, you're, you got the cold. It's, it's like, you're not dead. You're not going to the hospital. It's bad. Yeah. You know, you got, <laughs> you got a problem, but it's not the end of the world. So if most people like what the, the numbers are crazy, like small. So the chances of you getting, uh, uh, needing to go to the hospital are increased by 20%. Oh, no, not uh, 20 times, right? So if you're not vaccinated and you uh, get COVID, you're 20 times more likely to need to go to the hospital. You hear about this, Paul? Uh, what, if you're not vaccinated, you're 20 times more likely to have to go to the hospital for COVID? Yeah. I have I heard, I have heard that statistic, and okay. people have pushed back on on it, Being, there's some dispute over the over those numbers and what they actually mean. And if everybody well, not a number, it, just a percentage. Yeah, they, they, there's been pushback against that. Oh, so the thing is, is is the number of people who need to be vaccinated, ah, sorry, who need to be hospitalized, is less than one percent, right? Who get COVID, like way less. Um, it's like point zero one percent, right? That's if you're vaccinated. If you're unvaccinated, it's like that's point, if you're vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, it's like point zero, uh, no, point two eight percent or something like that. So it's like uh, twenty eight people in a thousand will need to be hospitalized. I was like, oh, oh, that's bad, right? But it's only really, really, really bad when your hospitals are already at capacity and. There was a story uh, about how in 2018, the hospitals in New York were overflowing because of the flu, right? <laughs> so it's not like it, they're solving it by building things. Like they remember right at the beginning of COVID, what did uh, they do in Wuhan? They started building a hospital in real time, right? There was had a camera and you can watch them putting up the walls and... It's like, oh yeah, of course that makes sense. You 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 want to uh, put all hands on deck, right? But mm-hmm. the only people who are put on deck was the hospital workers, not the builders. So there, it's like, yeah, it is a, a stress to the system. But if you reduce the number of hospital beds per person by almost fifty percent uh, over couple of decades and then your population gets older what's going to happen you're going to have full hospitals all the time makes sense so there's like we're, we're kind of getting played the the narrative play is not is not um on anyways you guys probably want to go i gotta pee and i have to go yep do some I mom like, stuff i guess i'll see you later and maybe play some PUBG. yeah and if will updates his and he's available we can add him Yes, we could. All right. You guys have a great day. Take care. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Misa. Hopefully. Yep, she's green. That's good. And then... Let's see a trance here. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. And Evan. And then uh, Trish is unavailable. It didn't say why, but it was early in the week, so must have been some 
I think she has to share space with her sister. She does. She yeah. lives with her sister. So um, if her sister's doing something on the computer, then right. that means Trish can't. Uh, that has to be a cat fight, and whoever wins. It's not a cat fight. There. <laughs> Come on. Actually, you don't. You don't know I that. Don't know that it's you not don't know that it's not a cat fight. Uh, a cat well, I, 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 I did spend a few days with them, did so you? I got some sets of. Yeah, they're actually. Did you good. get clawed at all? <laughs> what? Did you get clawed at all? No, I did not. <laughs> uh, do we get Evan and Trent? Yeah. Okay. There's Evan. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, I was worried we weren't going to get Misa. Why? Heard, I haven't heard from her all week, and she's busy uh, producing new uh, oh. new Ace. I was thinking of bailing, but then no I read bailing. The- <laughs> I read the book, so oh good. Uh, Trent, do we get you there? It looks it says six of six, but we're not hearing you. I assume that that's what that means grid view, speaker view, together mode. Oh no, no, no! We're not doing together mode. That's really bad. Large Happy grid together. Starting large grid mode. Yeah, that didn't help. <laughs> stupid. I'm articulating the splines. Yeah. Oh, I'm get. I'm I'm seeing Trent. Hello, Trent. Your microphone is not connected. <laughs> Go into Skype, and uh, there's like a little three dots that uh, when you run your mouse over it says more, and then you click on settings, and then audio and video, and under microphone. Change it to whatever microphone your headset is. I guess. I guess uh, this mode is is uh, not as bad as I thought. <laughs> given given that it uh, helped me find out that Trent was here, but unable to. Oh, I heard something. No, no. That was probably my beer can. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Uh, what time? It's uh, uh, beer o'clock. Beer o'clock. Yeah. Can you repeat yeah. those instructions? Sure. Somewhere it's on your, somewhere on your screen on Skype, there's uh, three dots or three lines. We call this the hamburger. Try the top left hand corner. You got it. Okay, and then you click on that, and then. Uh, it should say something like settings or something like that. And then under audio and video, which is about halfway down, uh, you want to change it to, uh, your microphone to whatever your headset's called. I'm going to go back to the view mode so I can see. Oh, he's still looking. All right. So we will do some pre-chat while, uh, uh, Trent gets his... Microphone connected. Um, I got some tea. That's my excitement. Like, like you're drinking tea, or you yeah. have some tea to spill? I oh well, I got. I think that's another uh, phrase. <laughs> I don't know what that one means, but um, well, we were listening I've to. I've never heard uh, that before. Tea to spill. Uh, yeah, me neither. That's brand new. Did you got to be it a, It's got to be Kentucky. No, it's like it's like oh, you've got like the you've got like the details about something like you gossip? like want to share. Yeah, it's like gossip. Let me t- let mm-hmm. me spill some tea. 
Bill said, this is so exciting, I can't hold my tea. <laughs> wow. You should go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to spill no, your tea around here. My tea the way you think is spilling my tea. <laughs> they, they make adult diapers for that. <laughs> they do. For astronauts. Uh, so when is the uh, new show launch? I saw there was a trailer on YouTube, and then uh, I think you tweeted it as well? Friday. Fri- it's coming out this Friday. This Friday. All right. So Friday, seven Friday, months Friday. from now, people need to dial back uh, a <laughs> week. That's right. Trent's still having trouble. Well, we got lots of time to start, I think. Oh, he's got a different ha- headset now. I'll do the play-by-play. Still pretty quiet. Um, what else is going on? Besides, I, I literally have some tea. I, I, I'm, I'm doing this because... What kind of tea do you drink? Uh, there you go. It's called uh, Earl Grey. And it's and hot. it's hot, yes. <laughs> Although I will drink it cold, too. I, 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 I tried Earl Grey when Star Trek The Next Generation first came out. Like, oh, this would be cool. And I don't like Earl Grey. It's I, I, think it's, it's, I, I think it's the... You're not the a Bergamot citrus man. Just, the, the, the bergamot just doesn't throw me. I'm much more of a black tea or a chai person. Trent just I mean, my, fa- my, fa- my, fa- my, my favorite tea is Nepalese chai, but I can't get that that often. Uh, you should mm-hmm. be able to find it like on Amazon.Tibet or something. <laughs> Amazon.Tibet. <laughs> you know, global supply chains and other stuff. But So I generally drink regular chai these days. Do you make it yourself, Paul? No, I usually usually get it from a... But from your local Napanese, yeah. I, I, I mean, I mean, I usually am a barbarian and get tea bags. I generally don't go get the loose leaf tea, although I have, I have a tea thingies and whatnot. If I want to spend that money, mm. but basically, but that, but then I, but then I do it milk tea style, like you? in Nepal, and add cream and ice to it. Yeah. And testing, all. testing, testing. Yes. Yeah, we hear you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had to switch. This is my third attempt at a headset. Okay, well, this one's working. Um, it's right. it's not the greatest mic, but it will do. And um, can you uh, turn your video off for when we do the sh- uh, recording? It'll screw up my recording, I think. Oh, more than happy to turn the video off. <laughs> well, I, I like the double mirror setup, so I could see you leaving and coming into the room. Okay. Now I want to test. I'm going to take just 30 seconds to sure. test with one of the others that has a better microphone. Sure. If it doesn't it, work, I'll be back on. You're not one. terrible at this point, but yeah, absolutely, go for it. Okay, one second. Um, I was listening to uh, uh, Paul's uh, show on what's that 80s movie called? Red Dawn. Red Dawn. Yeah. Um, and you got to the scene where. Uh, you said the best scene in the movie where he, he mistranslates the uh, the Colorado sign. Yes, that is the best scene in the movie. Absolutely, it is. It is pretty awesome idea. Like as a, um, and it, I don't know. It generates a lot of sympathy for those guys who suddenly get wiped out. Have you seen? It does. Have it you seen uh, Red Dawn? Will because it's they shoot a lot of communists in that. And it might yeah, be traumatic. No, I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, um... dude, it's a good movie. <laughs> I mean, I know Paul and them were saying it was a bad movie. It's a bad movie. I mean, is, is it worth what? I mean, there's there are bad movies which are worth watching. Ronald Reagan That's... was a bad man. We can all agree on that. But but like I'm... the opening the opening scene where the uh, 
he's teaching about Genghis Khan, and and he gets and then oh god that no that's not it's just I mean you don't know that at the time in the eighties right you're just like he's talking about like how the tactics work and the bulls of the elephant don't wreck it for will don't wreck it for will and then out the window. Cuban paratroopers are landing in the Colorado uh, fields while the kids are in school. It's amazing. Amazing, he says. You, you haven't seen it, Misa? Uh, not that I... No, I don't think so. It's not a I, girl movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. it, I, think. I don't remember it much. I do remember that scene, though, Jesse. That's a great scene. I remember very vividly. So I must have seen it. You must have... Uh, yeah, I mean... It's got Charlie Sheen in it. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and Patrick Swayze. Oh, wow. Well, it, I know a it's a remake of it. Oh, it's like North the, Korea. It's terrible. Yes. <laughs> yeah, don't. don't and there's an Australian that. version of it, too. Oh, wow. And the Maybe Australian version is that. not as good as, as the original Red Dawn. But uh, is it Red Dusk in Australia? I, you know, I can't remember the name of it, but it is something. It, maybe it's a like a long title, like "We Will Be Avenged" or something like that. I, I can't remember. Um, but th- see, that's a little more plausible. I think it might be China. Tomorrow, or... t- tomorrow when the war began. There you go. The yeah, and, and it's it's <laughs> basically it, it's like kangaroos uh, versus Chinese or something. But uh, the the American original is a really good movie. It is, yeah, it is very Ronald Reagan uh, rah-rah, but I I was, um, I don't think, did I send it to you, Evan? Um, Maybe I didn't. I don't think so. Uh, Heinlein died in 88, so he would have been alive when it came out. And it's got Eagle Scouts in it, and it's about a nuclear war, and it's about the United States being invaded by the Soviets and the uh, Cubans. And so... Uh, and it's set in Colorado. So, like, this is Heinlein's jam, right? Oh, he, definitely. He likes all of those things. <laughs> Nuclear war. <laughs> uh, Eagle Scouts. Uh, uh, and, uh, I don't know, future setting. Free Enterprise. Something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is a little bit of that, too. But And there's concentration camps. And it's a great movie. It's not, it's not uh, yeah. I'm sure there's some technical inaccuracies, like the fact that Cuba could <laughs> successfully invade the United States, but um, that doesn't stop uh, the North Koreans from doing it. <laughs> Your estimation, the more you talk about it. Yeah, no, it's a good movie. I, I don't know what the ranking is, but um, I, I don't think that was a torture. All right, folks, this is the best I can do. Sorry. It's all right. It's, it's coming in clear, I think. All right. Uh, all right. Um, I sent you a whole bunch of things last night, Trent. Uh, we don't have to talk about all of those, but uh, I did want you to see them um, by direct message. Yeah, which I just discovered uh, right before this. Yeah. Uh, so. I guess we're not talking about any of them. Then. Well, it's it's not super. It's it's very Donald Westlake, but it's not specifically about this book. Is it cool? Everybody ready? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, will and Paul, if you will record. I will uh, record. All right. I am recording. Excellent. Thank you. Um.
Paul, do you have gaming today? I do. Okay. Well, we'll we'll, we'll get a uh, get started. Here we go. Oh, uh, Jesse, um, <laughs> Paul, uh, Evan, Misa, Trent. Am I missing somebody? Well, Will. Uh, Will. Jesse, Paul, Will, Evan. No, Jesse, Paul. Jesse, Paul, Misa, Will. What? Jesse, Paul, Misa, Evan, Will, Trent. Okay. Really? Yep. Yeah, that's fine. I, all I know is my position. Here we go.